Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies in the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me, traveling through rural France, it's Chloe Williams. I want to go to France. Sounds yeah, I nice. Know. Looks fucking cool, doesn't it? Have I, there is have, kind. Yeah. Have so. my anti-French propaganda shown up on this podcast yet? Have I railed against the French yet? I feel like I do well, that a lot in life. We've certainly so. covered a handful of French films. Right. Eden, Portrait of Fire. I went to Paris once and it was pretty cool. Ooh, yeah, I just love ripping on the French. I just think it's funny. I don't know why. Yeah. You and past and future guest Logan Kenny. Yeah, we just hate the French. I mean, a beautiful countryside looks great. I mean, yeah. it looks like a fabulous time, but I don't know. Yeah. They're just fun to rip on. This is going to be a really good test of whether or not my French Canadian friend listens to this podcast. We'll find out based, based on <laughs> if they hear us drag the French in the first two mm-hmm. minutes. Well, I mean, they're wait. Well, they're, you know, they're French Canadian, so it's like don't. I don't know. Wait, okay. I don't want to start saying crazy <laughs> shit, but it's like, isn't there like a rivalry there or something? I don't know. Quebecians, like, you know, are kind of like, eh, I don't know about French. Yeah, maybe. Can't we are there. a minute and a half in, and you are already trying to start some <laughs> Starting kind of, fights. Yeah. Civil war, man. <laughs> some kind of thing, thing between the French Canadian and. What if that happened? What if Canada was just like, you know what? We're going war to war, France. Fuck it. <laughs> Nothing, Trudeau, nothing just, just yeah. Trudeau just does a whole bunch of cocaine and just like, fuck it, let's do it. We're yeah. going to war in France. They're inciting violence for no reason. Uh they're in, they're they're going to war to, for to France for having better documentaries. Yeah. Um, is that, that is one thing. Well, I don't want to jump in too soon, but that is oh, one no, thing please. I was thinking. I was thinking if this movie was set in America. I'd have whole different feelings. People in America mm. and a tractor, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'd have no political ideas about any of these people in this movie. But if it was like, if she was like, I'm in Kentucky, you know what I mean? Like, I'd have like a whole different like set of ideas about who these people could be. No offense to people in Kentucky, but <laughs> I think, the, I think the, lack, the lack of cultural context for me made it easier to love everyone that was on screen. Right, you take out the sociopolitical yeah. context of like, you know, you know, who did these people vote for? You don't, yeah, yeah. it's one of those. Exactly. If we, I know if we see like sweet Agnes Varda and JR in uh, like Missouri, like, I would just feel like, oh, it's going to be unsettling. <laughs> Talking to a bunch of bumpkins. That sounds like the parody of Faces Places. <laughs> Which there's, so, like- there, uh, there's going to be a Varda episode of Documentary Now this season. So. Yes. I saw. Yeah. Um, oh, they're still doing that show. Al- Alexander wow. Skarsgård is going to be a guest star, which sounds perfect. This yeah, he's going to be in the. Um, oh, uh, now I'm, I can't forget. I, oh, the Werner Herzog episode is what he's going to oh, be. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah, he one, should, of, one of my all-time favorite shows. Yeah, he should be on all of television. <laughs> I agree. Skarsgård needs to be in every single show. Yeah, because when is he bad? Have you seen Succession? Yeah, we yes. love Succession. Okay, good. Yeah, he's good in that. Yeah. You know who I want to come Kel. back in that? I don't need to be pit- I don't need to be pitching this on the podcast. I don't know why I am, but I had Justin Kirk. Love him. I can't wait for him I, to be in the fourth yeah. season of Succession. I mean, every time he tension. shows up in anything. I'm the so tension hyped. between him and uh, um, Karen is just incredible in the bathroom. Like I know, I was like, <laughs> everyone I, when notes I watched... like the lotion uh, with, with Justin. Is that the Josh Hawley guy? In the... He's the guy. He's he's Andy from Weeds is his main role, and he's been in yeah. he's an Amer- uh, uh, Angels, Angels in America. In America. Yeah, but um, doesn't he kind of play like a Josh Hawley character in that? Like a real. He, conser- he plays like, like an alt right. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. gonna We're say. Is that when. Yeah. When I watched the screeners for that, like a month before they came out, I was like, 
I have some type of feeling about how this is going to go down on Twitter when we're all like, are we shipping the main character with like a neo-Nazi right now? I mean, their chemistry God. was like pretty Six- like yeah, intense. Succession is wild. Succession, yeah. you really just have to just suspend your disbelief, not suspend your moral disbelief <laughs> to yeah. watch Succession. It also, never, anyway. It's- it's not even moral disbelief. There's no like repu- there's no neo-Nazi who's that charismatic in any way. That's exactly. so true. All. Very true. Yeah. yeah like they the closest they... like I said Josh Hawley earlier. That's the closest. And Josh Hawley's a loser. Like he's like a like he's a fucking dork. Like you want to give him even... a wedgie. Is it good? I, I don't to... know who this is. I was gonna say I try not to keep track of yeah. who they are, but I'm gonna yeah. say if, it, if, he's someone, if he's someone you yeah. could accidentally call or purposely call a neo-Nazi, then he sucks. So <laughs> that's gonna be my official opinion. I should feel satisfied. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy during the January sixth that he raised that fist to like okay. the other. Oh, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. he he. Yeah. There's a video. There was a video that got released during the um invest <clears throat> the committees when he's like running. He's like there's a security yep, yep, yep. cam and he's just like running really fast even though he and was he like yeah the- come protest all you want and then he's in the capital just like running like the road runner like oh no what's happening it's very I really feel as though we 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 owe anyone an apology who came here to hear us talk about Agnes Varda's one of her last movies yeah that's a weird episode Josh Josh Holly and Agnes Varda mentioned this episode we haven't even said the title yet we haven't said the title (laughs) of the movie it's Faces Places everybody yeah Yeah. (laughs) which which we've mentioned in passing before actually uh when we covered icarus and this and icarus were up for oh. uh, the academy award uh, in the same in the same year but before sequel we coming out i didn't know there's going to be a sequel yeah no there's like yeah yeah i was very perplexed by that i mean i'm actually kind of i mean i don't hate that movie i actually kind of like it uh i mean it's interesting um but the sequel sounds better so i'm mm-hmm. interested I had forgotten what uh, Faces Places was up against, but I also, separate from that, remembered that I purposely didn't watch Icarus because I was pissed at it for some reason. So then when I looked at the category, I was like, oh, okay, that was why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this was absolutely my... I like Icarus too, I'm the same as Clyde, but this one's like like top three of 2017 for me. Um, But before we travel to France, let's get into Um, what we've been watching recently. Oh. How's that sound? Sure. I, I kind of teased it before we started recording, so I'll just go. Um, so I watched two movies recently. I haven't really done anything else. I've been replaying the first two uh, Wolfenstein games. Uh, not the first very two, but like the new generation, like, you know, like the, uh, the 2014 one and the 2017 one. Uh, so that was fun, you know, just killing some Nazis. Uh, it's always a grand old time. Um, what I watched, though, a few days ago, what was it, two days ago? I saw, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, I think, was it last, oh, it was 2021, I went on a huge Tony Scott binge. Like, I fully committed to the Scott. I fully was like, all right, let me just watch all of these motherfuckers. Like, I think I watched Crimson Tide uh, randomly, and because I was in a Denzel mood. I think I watched The Manchurian Candidate before that, or maybe after, I forget. But I was really in it, like, if it was in a huge Denzel mood, I watched, the, I watched Crimson Tide, then that movie became instantly like one of my all-time favorites. I'm like, okay, I need to watch everything Tony Scott has ever made now. Uh, well, not everything, obviously, uh, since I haven't watched everything yet. But I was committed to just watching as many Tony Scott movies as I could. Uh, and I rewatched the ones I already watched because I'm like, I need to get a full like appreciation. Like, let, let's lay all the cards on the table. So I've seen 
how many there is. I've seen uh, 11 of his films, uh, but before a few days ago, I've only seen 10. And the 11th one that I watched was Domino, the uh, Kira Knightley based somewhat based on a true story, kind of semi, very semi biopic. Um, it's a, and so we were talking about like, you know, movies that started off as being like reviled by critics at the beginning. This is one of them. Um, and when you watch it, you understand why, because it's fucking crazy. Um, written mm -hmm. by Richard Kelly. Yep. Um, uh, it is, I don't, I can't even describe it. Like I'll put, I'll, I'll put it like this. They invent, I think, I don't know. I was trying to figure out like how much of this is actually true because it seems like 80% of it was false. Mm -hmm. um, like the one, like, tr like the two or three true things was uh, Domino Harvey is a real person. She was the daughter of I think Lauren, who was in the main, the first Manchurian candidate. Is it Lauren Harvey? Um, I can't remember, but a British, a known British actor who died, uh, who, who died when she was young. She moved to LA to become like the, one of the, like to become one of the only female bounty hunters in like America. Um, and then that's basically it. <laughs> that's where the truth ends. Besides like a few, I like a few characters that pop in that are based off of true, like people she was associated with or whatever. But besides that, it's all false. Uh, it's all just ludicrous and bullshit. Um, it's, like he like there's a reality Lawrence show Harvey. That she, Lawrence that was the Lawrence character. Harvey. Yeah. Um she become she becomes part of the reality show that never exists with two cat like with um Ian Zeering from 90210 who become mm -hmm. who plays Iron Z Ian Zeering. He plays himself and is taken hostage. Like it's all ludicrous. It's it's the most Tony Scott movie you've ever seen. It's yeah. you know, it's many it's cuts full maximalist edits. yeah right it's like yeah i think someone it's the follow-up it to man on fire i think right so like and it, it kind of makes sense that it's the evolution and of he goes style full yeah. fucking nuts like he yeah. goes full bore like he goes at it mm -hmm. uh someone people would describe it as the like the color correction of the film as a uh, piss green yeah um <laughs> or piss yellow whichever you prefer and this was like 2006 2005 i think so I like 2000 something like that um it, yeah like, it makes sense that it like captures that aesthetic and it's like you know miami vice is on the horizon and it's like it bomb it so it bombs uh it actually has reviled. a lot of comments in miami vice i think in a way yes I, I, yeah. I agree i haven't seen it but i'm intrigued by the richard kelly aspect for sure mm. uh and I think the poster also is uh, neon yellow green. So yes, yep. Um, Kelly says it's one of the most subversive films to be made by a major studio in America during that time. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm like, he can't be right, but then I think about it and I'm like, he's actually maybe right because I mean, it makes it's incomprehensible. Um, like it has like three, like it starts at the end. At the very beginning, it's one of those things. Then it does a flashback, and then it, then it goes in like five different ways, and it's like they do alternate. There's so many times when they're like, "This is what would have happened," and then they rewind like in camera, and like, "But that didn't happen." Right. It's, right. Oh boy. Those. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, and people will say it's bad, and they're not necessarily wrong, even though my counterpoint is that it is good. Uh, mm -hmm. That's uh, <laughs> it's. 
if you like Scott, if you're bought in, I mean, it's it, it's bizarre. Um, there is a sex scene with Kara Knightley and Edgar Ramirez that is, they're both high on, was it mezzadine? Not mezzadine, is that a thing? No, like they're both high on something because someone spikes their coffee and they run, like all of the, it, it's like, again, none of it is really true besides like that there was a person named Domino Harvey and that she was a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. um, and like Christopher Walken plays a reality uh, 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 reality uh, a reality show producer. Yeah. Frequent Tony Scott collaborator, Chris Walken. It, and, and I think Mickey works in it too. Yes, and he's yeah, good. Yeah. And he plays yeah. like a, you know, a scumbag. Uh, because I no, think, Mickey Rourke's right. I know it's interesting. You think so, about it. It's like has right, he ever played like I a think good that's person? what Richard Kelly meant by subversive is. Yeah, I'm also he refused, and then he was because he thought it was way too one dimensional. And then Scott was like, "Okay, Mickey Rourke, I'll rewrite it for you," and he did. <laughs> uh, I'm also going through Tony's movies as well as Ridley's movies that I I I haven't. I haven't gone through them consecutively because of other things I've gotten into the in the way and I've just been ignoring it, but I've just sort of taken it like like every so often I work at it. But um I'll do like two at a time just to make it go by faster and I have more Ridley to do than I do Tony. And well, because he's made certainly well, of course, yeah. I was just gonna say, but um because one died. Yeah. <laughs> one is no longer <laughs> um yes. Uh but yeah, I, I also need to catch up with Domino because it's like one of three I have left for Tony. It's on HBO Max. I think it has an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it is wild. Mm -hmm. uh, good movie. A lot of fun character actors in it. Delroy, Delroy Lindo is a big part of oh, it. Oh, nice. Uh, the stand-up comedian Monique has a huge role in it. Yeah, These are, um, You buried the lead with both of those. This is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah, they have like a huge part in the movie. It's... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. There's a there, yeah, Monique Jerry, pre Precious too, which is interesting. Like, yeah, right. Pre like big big media role. Um, yeah. And so that was one of that. So that was the movie that I watched. Um, and the second movie before the film that I watched today, which is the one we're covering yesterday, I saw Three Thousand Years of Longing uh, in theaters. I haven't been back in. I haven't seen anything in theaters since Top Gun Two. Mm -hmm. Which, when so was you got the movies. June? Was that? I June mean, or it's May? still going, so you could have seen right, it anytime true, in the last true, six true. months. When it came out, when it came out, when was that? It's crazy. Was it May or June? It May. was May, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's uh, for the United yeah, States, I'm, not for France. I'm disgusted with myself hearing that. That I haven't been yeah. back. To, I haven't been in the theater since May. Fuck me. <laughs> um, but I had to go out. I had to show my support for George, since this movie's going to make five, and this movie's only made five dollars. And, um we knew it was going to i mean it's it not was, like it's a surprise. i mean to me it's not a surprise you know it's just i like, mean it is wild how was, little the it's wild how little the you know mad max fury wrote like n there's no there's no one out there that i've heard yeah. other than clay who's like <laughs> i mean other than like actual like people who are very plugged into film who's like oh yeah. the guy who made mad max fury made, road made a new movie and i'm like where right. did you guys go y'all showed up for that movie where are you now Right. Well, they don't want to watch a movie about love and myths yeah. and that's it. Like it's, <laughs> it's the corniest movie ever made. Um, and I mean that in the most loving way possible. Um, I don't know. Corny is, I, I'm, 
I'm oversimplifying it, but it's it's a peculiar tone. I, 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 it's not it's not that corny is a bad word, but there's certainly so few words you can describe it with that matches sincere. the tone. That yeah, I think sincere is another good word that I see a lot of late period Wachowski in yes three thousand years, and I, also I you Robert can describe Daniels... Wachowski's as sincere and corny. Right. I think Robert Daniels wrote in his review, he did not like it at all, by the way, but he wrote, he said that he compared it to Jupiter ascending, but he meant that yeah. like, but he didn't, but for not, once, not a very good way. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I, I, even though I think he might like Jupiter ascending, I forget. Um, mm-hmm. But it is that idea of, you know, yeah. Like matrix, what, uh, the last matrix, like, yeah. What if like, you know, it's about love, baby. It's all about love. Like it's always that. been a love story. Yeah. And That's I, cool. I was God, I charmed my pant. I was, you know, my I was charmed my pants off or whatever kind of thing I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, I just, oh, I was enraptured by it. I loved it. It was. So I liked magical. when uh, the G a- pulled Albert Einstein on the TV. That was cool. It's great, great. Yeah. I had just the biggest fucking smile on my face. I think it's easily the best thing Idris has ever done in film. Like maybe mm-hmm. by far. Um you know when he gets tv that's harder because you know stringer bell and luther um but like he's we certainly had a lively discussion recently about idris right in our group yeah yeah, it it, he's i love him Uh, i understand why people might be a little put off by him but i love him um but not put off but like not super impressed by some of his acting ability he's in beast right is that what also just came out with him so yeah i'm just a little annoyed that he's getting his movies like pushed to like the dead days of August. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't know that there's anything wrong with him. I think people aren't betting on him. Like they should be though. You know, like it kind of sucks that he had two movies come out right now when no one's going to the movies. It's crazy how I think he, he, and he's one of those people in like Hollywood now who's considered a movie star, but it's in a movie star in a weird way. Yeah. Like he has the charm of a movie star, but with two prime examples competing against each other, Idris Elba just can't open a movie. But then but again, he who can't can? even open a superhero movie? Like that's mm. like he, like Suicide Squad bomb. Like I mean, he oh, can't. Right. Like he's great, and everyone knows him, and everyone loves him. But yet, people don't go see his movies. It's mm. bizarre. True. Yeah. yeah, it's frustrating. I guess with the Suicide uh, Squad, it's like you you have the luxury of it being HBO Max, and maybe that's. Right, but it yeah. still didn't do well. Yeah. It just yeah. was not. It was not a success. Um, but I think, but he's incredible in this movie. I mean, yeah. maybe my best, my favorite performance. Uh, not a be like maybe my one of my top five favorite male performances. It'll make five. Yeah, it'll make the five. It's he's just mm-hmm. he commits to it so hard. And I think Miller was just like, just play, man. Just have, mm-hmm. here's here's the sandbox. Here's here's the you know, here's the castles, just play. Just play as much as you want. I think um, it's telling as well that uh, Inter Silva and Tillinswin were always locked into these two starring roles. It wasn't like a Rolodex of other names that Miller could have pulled from. But I still I, find I that very it's, funny because yeah. it's like, who should we pair together? I know, Inter Silva mm-hmm. and Tillinswin. That's not like something yeah, you just have in your Their pocket. chemistry is very interesting when you see them. And, and then like there's this decision that Swinton makes in the third act that you're like, this really does work because both of them are very locked in. Uh, no, it's it's a great movie. <laughs> Go see it before it leaves tomorrow or whatever. I guess by the time <laughs> I, this comes out, who knows? I don't, I don't yeah. like, 
I this is out in a month, so yeah, we just we don't. Know. Um, <laughs> I am gonna try to catch Beast though, because that seems like my kind of movie. Uh, like you know, it seems like you know, maybe not this year's equivalent to Crawl, but you know, in that vein. So I mean, I, Crawl is also an August release, so maybe. Yeah, I loved Crawl. I I've heard um, I've heard comparisons in that it was like a little bit of Crawl, but not as much Crawl as people wanted. Mm, you know, but right. yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, nothing can live up. Crawl. Crawl is like, you know, it's like one of yeah. the greatest things to ever exist. I'm not being super serious, but I love Crawl. Yeah. Crawl. I remember very at, good. At, at my screening of 3000 years, I was like, who is this for? <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, I, I love the movie. Um, right. You just, uh, and Val's right. Like, you can push this as the follow up to Mad Max Fury Road. It's just, and I think they are. It's just not enough to get this over the line of something that that is successful and for, for Miller to actually maybe make but another. If you um, tell that to a person and they see the trailer, it's like, well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it flops to my next year. Like, oh, I'm interested. Then you see the trailer, you're like, oh. And okay, it's, yeah. I, I think it's curious that Fury Road is also just an anomaly. When we think, when we want to think of it as like, here's another Mad Max, and it's like, oh, it's just like a weird franchise to continue as is. Um, and it's but successful, but actually, it wasn't like it's, it's yeah, it's it wasn't one. I mean, it wasn't. It, it was successful, but I don't. I think it was a surprise for it to be as, as successful as it was. Um, yeah, for for me, I, I, for some reason, I'm just going with consecutively another new release that I just found was fantastic it's called funny pages um it's from own klein uh the son of phoebe cates and kevin klein made this uh strange gross deeply upsetting comedy about um a teenager trying to make his way into the world and follow through with independence too early on from when he's supposed to in his life um you know it's very very good it's in it's on VOD by the time this episode comes out. Uh, by the time 3,000 Years is leaving theaters, this will be on VOD. Um, I, I think it's one of, it's like my favorite comedy I've seen this year. It's great. What's it called? It's called Funny Pages. Um, the Safi brothers produced it and as well as Ronald Bernstein. And like a lot of people are making comparisons between um, this and the work of the Safdies. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I'm going on a trip soon, so I'm a little, like, quarantined, so I haven't seen anything the past couple weeks, but um, I've heard both of those, I've heard that one's good. Mm-hmm. Um, my turn? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, can I go with TV, because I'm just always watching yeah, TV? Please. Yeah, please, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so I, yeah, I'm reviewing stuff constantly, so mm-hmm. I just watched um, The Patient, um, have y'all heard of that one at all? Yeah, how, how, how is, how is Donal and Steve? It's, um, it's good. It's so dark. Uh, it's hard to say since I've seen all of it and it's not all out yet. I don't know if it'll Mm. all be out by the time this is out, but, um, it just gets so much. So uh, just the premise in case people don't know about it. Um, it's a show it's on FX on Hulu, which is this weird thing where it just means it's on Hulu. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, so I'm sorry, but um, yeah. During our Florida project episode, we spend at least fifteen minutes 
dissecting the, the weird I, thing that is yeah i've had one of my editors one time emailed, we've been down this road yeah someone i know emailed someone to be like can you confirm what this means because it's just ridiculous it the thing is though like i kind of get it because i have i associate a certain level of prestige with with and like edginess with fx originals yes so i get point. why you throw that on there and i'm pretty sure i've covered fx on hulu shows and called them just fx shows without even realizing um so I get why they did it, but it's very confusing when people are just straight up trying to figure out where to watch stuff. So it's on Hulu. Um, so it's a show with, um, oh, you said his name wonderfully. Dom Hall. How do you say his name? I've heard him say, we, we've done an episode on Frank. Uh, and uh, during my research for that, I, I've, I saw like a few moderators say his name. So now it's like clicked in with me as Donal not Dom Hall. Okay, yeah, yeah like see, the, it's the one of those M names where you know there's... sound, which is so interesting. The okay. Irish are fascinating, yeah. Don Donald Gleason and uh, Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. And um... it's actually Steve, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Steve Carell plays a therapist. Uh, Gleason is a serial killer named Sam who um, kidnaps his therapist. Um, and ties him to like chains him in a basement and is like, I want you to help me stop killing people, um, which sounds like a kind of campy premise, but this show is plays straight. I mean, like it has comedy, it has some dark comedy in it, but um, it's just really heavy. It's really intense. Um, it's by the people who made the Americans. Um, so that's yeah. a big draw. Um, but it also, I think what's, what adds the heaviness is it's, um, Steve Carell's character is Jewish. So there's a lot, a lot of it is as much, as much about as it is about therapy and about, um, and about killing and, and things like that. It's also about like Jewish tradition and, and history and things like that. So I liked it, but like, I think that, so that is the thing I've watched most recently. And the other one is American Gigolo, which um, is not out yet either. Um, And both of those, both of those are definitely, um, shows that I would describe as challenging as like one of the Mm. first words about them, which is not the case for a lot of TV. So, I mean, like as much as I have like some, some nuanced opinions on both of them, I'm like, I really appreciate that there's Mm. TV, there's TV coming out right now that's doing like really bold swings, you know? So, um, and I'm not sure how much I can say about American Gigolo, but um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know like people. Yeah. I think the embargo, I think the, I think the embargo is like tomorrow or the next day, but I, it's only, it's only three episodes out. So it's going to be, yeah, it's hard to, yeah. hard to know for sure on three episodes, but I will say it's something where I'm writing it. I'm finishing my review tonight. And it's like one of those where you don't even really know how you feel until you're writing mm. about it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You're sort of like um, formulating your thoughts as you're going yeah, along and yeah. hope to arrive at some kind of conclusion. Yeah. yeah. I mean like the, there, the American there's a Jibio, lot to- to dig into with it though it's so yeah. different from the movie so yeah i i, I would I, it seems like one of the I, I think tv being inspired from a film is like a very interesting concept like i'm going through a little yeah. of their own right now um yeah and like american because like it's such a specific time capsule gigolo and mm-hmm. now we're revel- we're developing that again and you're just like oh, well how can anyone be america how can anyone be Richard Gere, who meant so much to that that time, yeah. 
and and you know we got jb and it was just yeah. like i'm sure just like uh and i i will say i think this is safe to say because it's in the trailers kind of visible it is i feel like in episode one it's like this is not the american gigolo that you mm-hmm. are familiar with you know like the character wise it gets yeah, very different like it very removes quickly. itself yeah yeah it, it uh, adds a lot of context um i watched the movie for the first time recently as well because i i just listened to um erotic 80s that with you must remember this i don't know if y'all have heard that but yes, uh, yes. i i had been wanting to get into that show literally since 2014 and then Somehow this is finally the one that caught my eye. And when I have time, like the next time I have time to just sit and watch movies, I want to watch all the movies from this series of it because it's mm. so good. Um, yeah. But yeah. but yeah, so it's- I think it's your most modern series. Is it? Of, and it's I'm just pretty so, sure I'm trying to, yeah. I just like, something about how deeply researched it is just makes me like, it's just delightful to me. So, yeah. 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 Same too. Is American Jiggle going to be show, is that Showtime? Yes. Yeah, it'll be Showtime. So between that and Yellow Jackets, people people got to get Showtime. Yeah, Yellow Jackets. Stan culture is running crazy now, and show if like Yellow Jacket <laughs> and John Bernthal, it's gonna be just Stan <laughs> culture heaven. Um, they yeah. need they needed something too, though. Yeah, like because no. they've been woof. It's been hard. They have a pretty it's decent movie selection at the very least. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't, do you guys hear that they're combining, um, was it Paramount Plus and Showtime into one service? Yeah. Oh, well, Paramount Plus also did like such a good rebrand because when it was CBS All Access, I did not care about it in the least. And now that it's Paramount Plus, I like it. And I'm like, this really worked on me. Because no one's like, oh, I get to watch all of CBS. Cool. Yeah. I guess. I don't want to think about like NCIS. Like I'm not trying to go watch all of that. So yeah. Um, But anyway, so yeah, those are my main ones. American Gigolo, The Patient, um, The New Lord of the Rings. Um, Is that good? I saw the... I saw the first two episodes and uh, I was actually talking to Jack before we started about how different it is when you watch things in different formats. But um, I watched the first two and I got to see them in theaters um, and I thought it was so good. Like I was shocked, like the Hobbit movies, I have no opinion. I really have no opinion on a lot of Lord of the Rings, but, um, but it like very, especially like in a cinematic sense, like if you can, cause I think, I know they were showing it in theaters. Um, I saw a preview in 3000 years of longing. One of like Mm -hmm. the main previews, like this wasn't like the the Maria, like this wasn't like during the Maria Menounos pre-show. This was like during the set previews was what that was the show. Yeah. I, um, I really enjoyed the first two episodes and it was, like I said, it's just super, super cinematic. It like, it's very hard not to get caught up in. It looks expensive. it looks expensive. That's the thing. It made me realize how much, like, I, I know we talk about this, but it made me realize how much like Marvel and Netflix and people are just like wasting money when they just like throw it away on bad CGI and stuff because yeah. it looks so, so good. Like, I'm like, this looks like the most expensive show ever made for sure. The thing, so. the thing is those trailers looked like, it looked like shit to me. I mean, it well, did not look good. No, the trailers are weird. I don't know. I was not caught by any of the trailers for it. And like, I even like after I had seen it, but before it was out, I wanted to like, like when I was able to talk about it, I wanted to send people a trailer to be like, I was shocked. This was so good. But then looking at the trailer, I was like, I can't even send this to people to like, tell them to watch it. Cause it's, it's not so very like, flat. it's not very emblematic of the show. Yeah. No, it looks, it um, looks nothing like cinematic, but then I hear people say it looks great. And I'm like, that's yeah. 
because those I don't know I, I was super those trailers look so bad to me that I was yeah. like they look so visually uninteresting that when people say no it looks expensive I'm like no. oh all right it, I mean it looks great and not only is like the scale great but like it had some shots in it that were really interesting and cool too like the cinematography you know I think that I think that I was not paying attention because I was kind of young when Lord of the Rings was like really popping off. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't get to see them in theaters. Um, but I think that I would say like, like watching this, I was like, I get how this was like the biggest franchise on earth and everyone was obsessed with it. You know what I mean? And I never felt yeah. that way with the Hobbit movies at all. Like I was, I would go see those and like instantly forget them. <laughs> no but, one like, did. No yeah. one did. I don't think <laughs> there's a single person passionate about those movies. No, not, I even Peter Jackson. Biggest, not even Peter Jackson. No one, like, I mean, so I don't think people hate those movies. I think people, I don't think anyone actually, like, gives a shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, it's very, very <laughs> Peter Jackson-esque to the point where it kind of, like, it kind of confused me in that I was like, is it okay that he wasn't technically involved in this? Because it's, like, so him, you know? Like, it feels mm. so much like his stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I really loved the first two episodes. I don't have Amazon Prime. I don't have Amazon at all. So we'll see if I keep watching. I'll use somebody else's account, I guess. That's um, so funny. Pirate, 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 pirate. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where no one can possibly get mad at you for pirating something on Amazon. There yeah, is, I mean, if there can't be a single person who actually takes that stand. There's no way. Yeah. I'm not going to pirate, just for the record, in case Amazon's listening, I'm not going to pirate it because I can right. just use my friend's account. Best company in the world. Yeah. Yeah, the best. <laughs> no. Yeah, the best. No, I don't, I don't have an Amazon account for a reason, but right. I still want to see the show. <laughs> By the way, when uh, Valerie was saying she wasn't going to pirate, she was winking with both eyes. Like, <laughs> yeah. She wasn't, but she was. Yeah, yeah. You were nodding your head. You sensed yeah. it. You sensed it. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, so um, that's where I'm Before at. we travel to rural France, um, let's learn a little bit about Valerie Edenhofer, who's joining us today. Thank you for being here. Um, how did you find your love of film? Is usually like what we like to find about find out about our guests and the genesis. If there's if there's a film that got you into film, if you know something along those lines. I hope that whoever listens this far in um, doesn't. <laughs> doesn't care that I'm going to reveal how young I am now or old, depending on your question. But I try to, I like fake that I'm, I, I, I like try to pass as a little older than I am sometimes just so Ooh. that people, cause I hate when people are like, you know, I don't know, like when they act like you haven't heard of shit from before you were born. Like, I don't right. know. I've had, I have a long history cause I started writing about movies when I was like 17. So I'm like, I have a long history of people like talking down to me. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you're like Don Draper. Your identity is fake. You're, exactly. You're, you're I'm revealing a fraud. this here. Yeah, you're a fraud. That's yeah. All. yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm gonna set the time. In 2007, I was in middle school. I um, finished the Harry Potter books, and then mm -hmm. I saw a magazine at uh, the library, and it was Entertainment Weekly, and it had Harry Potter on the cover. And so I started reading Entertainment Weekly, and then that became my life. I like by by like ninth or tenth by ninth grade I think it was I like wanted to be a film critic and I was like reading entertainment weekly cover to cover um but around 2007 was when I got really into it and was like I'm so like all of the award season movies that year are ones that I was really 
um, like I think collectively they all were like what got me super into film, and that was a good year for it because it was I mean, like there is there, like, there will be blood season, yeah, yeah. No, no country, country for old men, men atonement, Juno, Juno, yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah I mean, like into the awesome. wild, I probably wouldn't yeah. like now, but I loved it then. Like there's yeah, yeah there were so many. Um, so collectively, all of those got me really into it, and it was just because I was like I started reading Entertainment Weekly cover to cover every week, and I was like. I would like make my little lists of like what they said and then like try to go see all those things. So um, yeah, so that was that for me. I always liked movies, but that was when I really got the bug for, you know, being like very completionist and trying to watch everything. What grade were you in? I don't know. <laughs> seventh, seventh or eighth. Okay. I'm trying to okay. still keep it, trying to keep it mysterious. So. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. 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 I, I just, no, I was just curious. I think cause... I was in seventh, I think I was in seventh grade and my parents never cared what I watched. So they were like, but that was like definitely the year where they were like, they already had mostly not cared, but that year they were like, do whatever. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where they're like, I don't know. I feel like if I'm a parent and I have a middle schooler as a kid, it's just like, just don't do, you know, like don't, don't yeah. start doing drugs and don't like start having sex and it's fine yeah. with me whatever you're what? gonna do don't vandalize places don't you know like if you're just watching movies I can live with that go see them like I don't care yeah my parents knew that like I wouldn't like t I they knew that I wouldn't like copy the things that were in movies you know what I mean so they were like right. whatever like you have a, I have a good sense of like reality and I'm like very mature so they're like watch whatever and mm -hmm. I remember one time I remember I snuck into an R-rated movie with my parents' help because they went to see something else and I went to see Slumdog Millionaire was the R-rated movie uh, because that's what I'm That's R-rated? I, I was, that. yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I've for like, it. it must be for violence. Um, but anyway, so I, it was just hilarious because I'm like, that's such a geeky thing that I was like really trying to see all the Oscar movies, but my parents were like, yeah. we don't really want to see Slumdog Millionaire. So like, we'll go see a PG-13 movie. You go see an R movie. <laughs> They weren't big Danny Boyle heads. They were, yeah, they were against yeah, yeah. the Boyle. Oh, no, no. I did not get my love of pop culture from my parents, for sure. Um, but my mom, like, my mom has very good, like, intuitive taste. And I love mm. that. Like, I, it, it still impresses me because she'll just, like, kind of pick stuff up and, like, it'll be good. But um, neither of them have, none of them, like, nobody in my family was ever, like, watch the classics with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is interesting. That it's, like, yeah. because you self-educated yourself. It sort of led you to to be more independent and what you create for yourself as opposed to your mom and dad like sitting you down yeah like i think both yeah. ways are valid yeah what well when did you when did you discover you wanted to write when was that how, how did that come pretty about? fast pretty fast after because i found um which this i always feel bad about this because now that i'm like five i mean like depending on how you count it i'm like five or nine years into writing about movies um but people will ask me like, how did you get into it? And I feel really bad because I don't know how to tell them. Cause I'm like, when I was in like the eighth grade, I would like get WordPad, like open WordPad on my computer and do like mock-up reviews that were the same font and formatting as Entertainment Weekly, like just for me, because I was like, I want to like, I would just do it in the style of like the Entertainment Weekly reviews. Um, so it was pretty, pretty soon, um, which is weird, too, because I grew up in like, like my mom works at a grocery store and my dad painted houses. So I and nobody in my family except for like an aunt and a cousin went to college. So I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know how I even knew that job was real. But <laughs> right. yeah, you, didn't even, I don't, yeah, you weren't I, a literary professor. I just, yeah, like I, I didn't I, know, like when I got to college, which even getting to college, I'm like, I don't know how I did that. But when I got mm. there, I met people who had like written 
and then paid for it. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. You don't set your computer to look like ET just for fun, that EW just to look like for fun? Like, that's yeah, ET exactly. is like different. That's a different Entertainment Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Entertainment <laughs> I'm just now imagining someone dressing their computer up like ET the alien. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Oh my gosh. Like a big desktop uh, I- and it just has his head on top of it. And it's just, <laughs> and like the mouse of- is his finger or something. I was thinking, I was thinking of Entertainment Tonight and me being like going as like a reporter from Entertainment Tonight for like Halloween and just trying to perfect, instead of perfecting that Entertainment Weekly form, I'm perfecting asking like two questions in 30 You're seconds. You're Mario Lopez. Wait, is yeah. he, yeah. no, wait, is he, is that, is, is he on Entertainment I, Tonight? I don't know. I don't know who does it now. I think yeah. he used to. Yeah. Are we going to show our yeah. age? And, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I was my mom say, watches yeah. it sometimes yeah. and I'm just like, I walk well, in, I'm like, what is this bullshit? And then I walk yeah. out. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't have uh, live TV right now, so couldn't tell you. That's right. another, that's another secret admission I try to hide. Because <laughs> I'm like, really? how can I be, how can I be a TV critic and not have TV? But I, I think just I have, know. Like, I feel like there's a shit ton of television. Like, do you have like sling or something, or just nothing? No, I get it for like when it's like Oscar season or whatever. I'll get like a free trial, and then I'll just delete right. it, or I'll do like a month of YouTube TV. Right. Yeah, but, there's um, like a million yeah, of them. Have like, so, yeah. And I have like 20 streaming services and I, I am lucky enough that at this point I get straight, like a lot of screener access. So, right. but yeah. I, that just means that I miss out on like E-True Hollywood stories and stuff. That's what I'm really mm. sad about. <laughs> the only reason I have live television and I don't really need to at this point is sports. That's yeah. It. Well, also that I think so. my mom like wants to watch it. Well, but, like, that's, yeah. that's also my mom and dad with cable that they can't sacrifice sports and the news that those yeah. they just need to watch something at morning and night and it's just like hey, yeah it's crazy um i think right. that at some point streaming will mostly collapse in on itself and become basically cable again and then i'll have that so hasn't yeah. it already i know i was just gonna say like it getting there of, yeah it's getting, yeah, it's getting pretty close right like <laughs> yeah. yeah you can Basically, you can just get a bunch of channels. Yeah. Now. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. you just get a bunch of channels. I think. Yeah, and none I, of them I have think... exactly what you want. And no. altogether, you're like a little dissatisfied and you paid as much as you would have paid for cable. I think cable, I think cable companies will eventually just be like, all right, yeah, this bundle shit is probably is pretty bullshit. No one wants all of these channels. They want like five. We can like. Yeah. They're, they, they're going to have to at some point. Or streaming is going to have to become, I don't know. That's yeah. a that's a whole other conversation. We'll see. I know. I could spend forever trying to guess at that. Just as much time as as we try to guess Valerie's age. Age. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, so now, what's your history with Faces Places and just and as far as a yeah as a force into your as a presence in your life. Yeah. So I, I um I saw Faces Places in theaters. Um, it was during the movie pass era, I believe. So Shout it was out. a very, God bless. Um, it's coming back. It was very, yeah. I was going to say it was like a beautiful <laughs> time. One, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but <laughs> it was, it was like such a beautiful era for me. Cause I was like somewhat just out of college and all I wanted to do was watch movies. And I had a job that was like for a long time. I just did writing. Like I wrote like one article a week and I had a different full-time job. So, um, I, just wanted to like escape to the movies. So I was going to the movies constantly and watching stuff that I maybe wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, but I watched Faces Places and it was actually my first Barda at the time, um, which honestly I think is, um, is really great 
Like I like now that I've seen more of her, like when I watched it at the time, I was worried about that being my first Varda. But now that I've seen more, I'm like, God, what a wonderful introduction. So um, yeah, I saw it in Berkeley. I saw it by myself. I was I found my tweet about it the other day when I saw it. And what I said in my tweet was I have maybe never wanted a movie to not end more than that movie. Right. Um, and now since then, I've found other things that I think hit me in in that way but at the time i felt like we were really at a place where everything was like ironic emotional distance and so like the level of um earnestness in this movie was just like so disarming um and it really like really profoundly touched me um and so i was i just loved it um and yeah i guess that's that's it. Um, but then, yeah. so since then, I've watched a lot more Varda. I watched um, Cleo and Beaches of Agnes. And, um, oh, I've seen quite a few. The other day, I watched Le, Bo- Le Bonheur. And then there's another one I'm forgetting right yeah. now. But there's a few. There, I mean, there's a lot I haven't seen still because she's so prolific. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. but I, I think Faces Places is my favorite just because I am so... And this maybe goes back to what we were saying about when I got into movies, right? I was getting really into movies right at the end of the, like, earnest mid-2000s phase, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, then that immediately went away. Like, they had, like, Little Miss Sunshine and Juno and all those things. And then it immediately went away. And then it was, like, a decade of, like, kind of just, like... By By the time you get into film, that's when we're entering the Obama era, and it's sort mm-hmm. of like we're going to this like more hopeful progressive stage in, in American cinema where it's just sort of like okay like what's next and like what's the next story that we can tell about like ordinary people and trying to like capture this this the sense of belonging yeah yeah so then so yeah it just hit me in a very specific way where I think it was on the forefront of like uh bringing back earnest cinema you know mm-hmm. and so that really um yeah for sure I really loved it right off the bat so yeah and I, I and I love Varda now, so I'm happy that I I'm happy that I discovered her in this way. Yeah, um, I have a very similar story that this was also my first Agnes Varda. Uh, I saw Alonzo Duralde, who was the host of What the Flick at the time, this big like. I'm on. How many times you've mentioned him? We should just have uh, him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, it, it it's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, called this his favorite film of 2017 and since i watched uh those critics like talk about new releases every weekend it was like oh wow this is actually, oh wow this, this is your number one favorite this, this must be good yeah um and i saw i think netflix had this one as it what as its awards season was like it was it was being nominated for a bunch of things um including the academy award and Wait, no, I loved it. I, Wait, what? It, it, for a time, it's not like an oh, original, okay. but it was it was oh, on okay. there. Um, um, it's fantastic. I would make the Icarus like, showdown even more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it was an yeah, original. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it also had a uh, Strong Island, the the mm-hmm. film about um, the yeah from. Uh, yeah, it was competing against itself anyway. You can yeah, you can tell that sure. Netflix like saw that they beat Faces Places, and then they were like, "We're gonna do a million more documentaries, <laughs> more than more documentaries than anyone will ever want because of yeah. 2017." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we're just like, "Okay, we have too many." Um, <laughs> they somehow had a more upsetting win than Faces Places later. Yeah, 
with oct the octopus, octopus oh. eating. Um, yeah, I am so sad about that. And not like if I had watched only that movie of the nominees, I would have been like, it's fine. Yeah, same. sure. Yes. But like watching everything else that it was in competition with, I was like, for months, I felt like I was like, I swear to Christ, if my octopus teacher wins, I'm going to be so mad. And I almost like forgot that it actually happened because I feel like I was just dreading it so bad that mm -hmm. I was blocked it out. Yeah. Right. I, I, not, my octopus teacher is definitely not the best competing in yeah. that. It's not, it's not the worst. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, when it's just an easy punchline, but I think it's like a pretty good movie. It's just not the when you're up against time. I, I think that's yeah. that's rough to where like mm -hmm. you can't get many people on your side of your documentary. It did come down to like when the movie came out because I think it was like much later in the year, like it was in the eyes of voters. It doesn't matter. Uh, but with Faces Places, it was just like, wow, this is beautiful. This is like so lived in, and uh, it had this sense of adventure and curiosity, even with a place that that felt so familiar to the audience and since 2017 i've gone back in the nearly like 60 70 years of agnes varda and it, it, like val said like so prolific um so specific in her sense of humor and the way that people connect with their communities and art yeah it, it, i totally agree this is a fantastic introduction uh, and for, I mean, she had a movie that where she reflected on her career after this, uh, Varda by Agnes in 2019, which we may cover one day, but for this to feel as though it could be the Swang song, it made perfect sense. Um, yeah. yeah. And her first co-directing too, which like, just see her like have such, like be the star and the co-director have so much vigor in life. Um, it's, it's just fantastic. I, I love the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the more the more I watch of her, <clears throat> the more I realize how absolutely special it was for her to have Jr. Um, and to mm -hmm. find him for this because she like I watched Features of Agnes just the other day and um, like it's so good, but with Faces Places you can just see all the ways that he is like pulling things out of her, you know, like all the new angles um mm. of, of familiar things that are similar to her themes but just a little bit different and it's so complimentary it works so well together yeah so, yeah um this was my first time seeing it i saw it earlier today um i have seen a varda before this i watched um it's so funny. I love this movie. It's one of my favorites of all time. And I still am like scared to death of getting the title wrong. Cleo five from seven. Is that the way Wait, it's Yeah, Cleo from five to seven. Five I always want to wanna say, yeah. I always want to say nine to five. So I understand. I'm always right. like Cleo yeah. from nine to five yeah. is what I almost yeah. say. So I got you. I, that um, movie's I guess, that's, that's, yeah. Of the like six or seven of hers I've seen, that's my other favorite for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I just try to remind myself about like the movies literally falling Cleo from five o'clock to seven o'clock yes yeah. like, you know it's it's not much more difficult but um that's only that's only to remember the title it's not to, yeah. it's definitely just it, it broke me when i first saw it it was just <laughs> absolutely devastating yeah um, it's one of those when you finally see something as famous as that when you're like all right i get why this changed everything it's kind of like when I, I mean you know in relation it, it makes sense why that changed everything when you think about like the contemporaries like 
breathless and 400 bows like yeah i get it you know it's like mm-hmm. you just see it like changing cinema as as it unfolds yeah definitely um what did you think clay did you did you like faces, faces places? places yeah yeah so going into this i knew jack and shit about it um i, I say that really, a lot that's cool no that's <laughs> I, I love that you didn't know what this is about that's, that's good yeah that's awesome i knew it was a documentary i forgot if she i knew she was in it but I did you remember it. this coming out yes yeah um i forgot if she directed it mm-hmm. um, or just was I, or if it was like jr jr right yeah, yeah. exactly um, i mean it's I also like was. well it's also like yeah. very well remembered now because of its uh it's junket right because like agnes varda can't travel much and so they had to accommodate and uh i think it was the LA film critics who gave her best doc and um he, he facetimed agnes varda and she was there but like no yeah um, or oh, like yeah. Um, yeah. in the and during the academy's ball like uh the governor ball like uh, he had a, a cardboard cutout of Agnes Varda that he took around. Oh, I think I remember take that. Pictures. I forgot yeah, about that. And I, okay, this movie made me cry the first yeah. time I watched it and the second time it made me cry multiple times. So I was like, I can't cry on this podcast. But even just you saying that, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I, that's so, didn't like, yeah. you know, like when they take the big picture of every, like all the nominees. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Was the those. cardboard in that? I think so. I, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, I think I remember that. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, but at the time when I was hearing about Faces Places, I mean, I knew she was a figure. I knew she was a force. I knew there was like a, a big importance about her, but I didn't know her. I didn't know like mm-hmm. truly like, I knew she was, you know, French, like a very much like a huge, huge uh, pillar in French filmmaking of, you know, from the 60s or, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I... I definitely, um, yeah, I was more just like, oh, I got, this is a very much like an important filmmaker that I need to experience at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, same as like Godard, but with both of them, I've only think I've seen one film from each. Um, wait, let me yeah. make sure. I also, I think it's, it's important to note that Beaches from Agnes, 2008, right? And that's, and that's her last movie before this. Like there's a pretty- I was just- big gap I was just looking between, that up uh nine years like I feel like that's that's a long time for you not to I mean people may know who Agnes Varda is but to have the motivation to go back through that filmography might not be there until Faces Places yeah I, I was just looking that up as well single, I haven't seen a single Godard film I just I just figured it out I haven't seen a single mm. one never mind that's okay you got plenty you got a lot yeah, to watch yeah 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 that's <laughs> exciting I think I do too. I think I've only seen a couple. I've only seen, I think I've seen a clip of Breathless and that's about it. Um, <laughs> I've definitely seen many, like, I feel like I've seen the same clip of Breathless in several film classes. <laughs> right, same, right. yeah. It's, it's like, one of those, you know, yeah. The jump. But I, I will say of the um, French New Wave filmmakers, or I guess she's technically like a left bank filmmaker, but of the French New Wave filmmakers, I connect with her stuff way more than the rest of them. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't um, like I, I'll watch their stuff and I obviously like I want to know what I'm missing but I think hers is what I like watching faces places made me like very hungry to watch her other stuff yeah yeah especially with those callbacks to Cleo from five to seven at the very beginning um mm-hmm. it, it may I, I I think for me honestly because mm-hmm. I look at that reference and I'm like what 
who are they are they and, and it kind of takes you like some research to to see like they're actually pulling from Varda's actual filmography. Yeah. It's not someone else on the reference. Moi je n'ai pas oublié les images de tes films. Le visage de Cléo. J'ai adoré voir depuis le train les yeux que tu as collés sur des containers. Ce qui est drôle, c'est qu'on ne se soit pas croisé depuis le temps. Le truc rigolo, c'est qu'on va faire un film ensemble. Bah ouais, c'est ça le point de départ. Mais qu'est-ce qu'on va faire Et On va faire des images ensemble, mais autrement. Tu sais, c'est avec ce camion que je pars partout dans le monde. Les gens y entrent à l'arrière, comme dans un photomaton. Et la photo sort dans les 5 secondes sur le côté, en grand format. C'est ça. On apprend à se connaître. Merci d'être venu. Je dis bonjour qu'aux qu jeunes. Bah oui, parce qu'ils sont à ta taille. <rire> Chaque visage a une histoire. Je sais pas quoi dire. 1, 2, 3, Déjà, je pensais pas que l'image serait aussi grande. C'est vraiment l'idée que j'y réponds à ce que je souhaite le plus. Les visages que je rencontre, les photographies, pour qu'ils ne tombent pas aussitôt dans les trous de ma mémoire. Alors, ce que je te propose, c'est que je t'aide à emmagasiner le plus d'images avant que tout foutre le camp. Ça, c'est très bien imprimé sur des petites assiettes de porcelaine. C'est beau, hein C'est le jeu. Ce train ira dans plus d'endroits où tu n'iras jamais. En fait, tu vois flou et t'es contente. Et toi, tu vois tout foncer. Et tu es content. Arrête parce qu'elle essaie de me faire enlever les lunettes. Un visage, c'est beau. Le but, c'est le pouvoir de l'imagination. Les seules assurances, les chapeaux sont mis en autorisation. Alors, si, alors, moi, je vais vous dire quelque chose entre nous. Toutes les amendes, vous pouvez les envoyer à Agnès Varda. D'accord. Tous discutent. <rire> And I, I love that she does that because I, when I was watching Beaches of Agnes, I realized, and I think even in maybe the Gleaners and I, that's the other one that I think I forgot earlier, but um, mm -hmm. she talks, she does it like she's having a conversation with you. Like, she'll just be yeah. like, I did, I did a movie one time and there was a potato in it. Like, she just, like, <laughs> like it's not really mm -hmm. like, um, it's not meant to disorient you, but it's also not like she's going to go back and like explain the whole story. You know, she's just, mm -hmm. he's like, I, I remember you from Cleo. Yeah, yeah. Her, her face is, her, her voiceover is very conversational. I yeah. think my first real experience with Varda as like a person, as someone, like not just a name, not just like a, you know, like a pillar of French cinema, as someone, like just her as a person with, you know, you know these well, you know, three-dimensional, uh, like, like a complete just individual um, was, so when I watched Cleo uh, Five from Seven, or from five to seven, mm -hmm. I I watched it on the Criterion Channel. This was in March of last year. Um, the Criterion Channel, like you know, as to kind of pair it with like their actual like DVD releases, they'll have extras available for you to watch. I don't think mm -hmm. all of the extras that are on their Blu-rays are available, but they'll put some of them up. And, or they'll just do like new interviews with people, um, whether it be filmmakers or critics or stuff to reflect on the film. And they attach they're, it to the... 
they're very good too. Like they're exclusive to, I like, I'm trying to hype the Criterion channel so more people subscribe, but yeah, they're very like, like it's insight that I never can find anywhere else whenever I do actually watch those things. So what I want, and I, I don't necessarily watch a ton of them. Uh, I watch some of them. I just, some, I just, you know, sometimes they give you too many options where you're just like, I don't know. What do I yeah. put from this? And um, some filmmakers are more always, engaging than others. I was right. going to say, I don't always want to hear what directors yeah. have to say. Sometimes it makes me like the movie less. <laughs> right. Um, but there was, I was just kind of scrolling and then there was a clip that caught me by surprise and made me like go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and like Google a whole bunch of shit and was just like something I wasn't expecting. There's, I don't know exactly when this is, when the, this happened. I think maybe 2000s or 90s, I forget. But there's like a panel with her and Madonna. Oh my gosh. So back, I, I forget, I forget the years. I didn't, I, I only remembered this when, like, as we were talking about Varda, it's like, I, I back, 10, 20 years ago, again, I don't know the uh, timeline. Madonna wanted to remake Cleo five, uh, from five to seven. Oh, She wanted to start cool. it. And I think she wanted to direct direct it. And for some reason before there, I think maybe the script was maybe written, but before like really any kind of pre-production happened, they just did a panel together. I think it was maybe like an anniversary to celebrate it. And Madonna's just like a huge fan of it. And so they just do like a dual interview. Or like a you know kind of like a panel between her you know like Madonna and Agnes Varda. Um, I forget if Varda speaks English in it. I think she. I think there may be a translator. I think maybe she speaks French. I forget. Uh, Varda does she speak. speak English. Okay, um, so maybe she's. And I, and I found what the clip is. Uh, it's from 1993. It's called Madonna and Agnes. Um, I'm gonna need um I'm gonna need former guest on your show Sydney Urbanic to do a deep dive into this because I was just thinking that yes. <laughs> I want to know everything. I know everything. <laughs> you can um, read minds and we don't know your age. <laughs> obviously, it never happened. Um, don't think it will happen now. I don't know. Maybe Madonna has that in her back pocket. Um, yeah. but yeah, like it, it, it was. Varda's very aloof in the interview. Like, she's kind of coy. It doesn't seem like she's totally sold on Madonna actually doing it, which is very funny because it's like, they're, like, talking. <laughs> like, they're in the same interview, and it's, it's you know, like, she says she's, like, into it, but it's one of those things where you're kind of like, I don't know, she's kind of, in one in some way, you're kind of, you kind of think she's thinking, what is this stupid American, like, doing with my movie? Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah. I think she also respects Madonna enough to be kind of game for it, kind of like, yeah. eh, let's see what she does. Mm. Um, well, like she says, like in Faces Places, she says Chance is her best co-director, Chance is her best assistant or whatever. I feel like she's very much like, we'll just see how this goes with a lot yeah, of things. Right. So it's right. kind of funny to see that in action. So, and it's great, but that was the first time and she's very charming, very funny in it. And she's just always, I don't know, she's always, it feels like she always knows something. Mm. I don't know, it's yeah. like she always, she's always just like, I know what I'm doing. I know what yeah. role I'm playing here. I know all of the dynamics here. I don't have to play. She never, it just never, she never plays the game. She never does. Yeah. She never plays the game. And I'm not saying the, like the game of press or public relations. I mean, the game of like social interactions, like she's yeah. not trying to appease people. She's not trying to put on some face or whatever. It's like, she's just authentically herself and is just so comfortable in her own. Very idiosyncratic. Position and body and mind yeah. that she's just kind of like, 
yeah, man, I'm just here giving this interview. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, what, talking what, to Madonna. Yeah. When I was yeah. when I was watching the movie this time, I was thinking about how it's like the opposite of a prank show, Faces Places, because it's like oh, you go in. They're positive and, pranks. Like, yeah. yeah, almost. But it, it reminds me of that because like, like you said, she's not playing any games. So like she's able to disarm people with her just like honesty you know like she's like you obviously some parts of the movie are scripted or some parts are set up beforehand but she also like there are part I love the little moments where it's like very spontaneous and you can tell she's just like like when she goes to the um town and she's like asks someone if they she can borrow the dress and then she asks the guy if he has an umbrella and then Mm -hmm. he goes and finds like a vintage parasol you know what I mean so it's very Mm -hmm. much it goes to what Clay is saying of like she's just a uh She's kind of just like a straight shooter and an honest person, mm-hmm. and it makes people like her. And-, yeah. and she's doing this interview with maybe top three most popular pop stars to ever live, like mm-hmm. a cultural force. Like, and, and of course, just- it's obvious, but I don't think Angus Barda sees Madonna as Madonna, but sees her as as just another creative and a creator. Yeah, but it's that too. But it's just like you just wouldn't. Even, Granted, I haven't seen the panel, but like you watching it, you're just like, oh yeah, Madonna, like you know, Agnes is just with this some girl, you know, it's like or just some yeah. woman, like mm-hmm. it's all like she is you know cool, cool as a cucumber. Doesn't even begin to describe yeah. how she is. Yeah. She's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm just here with this chick, and it's like we're yeah. talking about my you know like French classic, and she like she apparently is pretty into yeah. it. And that's cool. Me, and also there's thir- there's 30 years difference between the two of them. I'm right. yeah. sure. Um, but, and I, also I, you just don't like, you're not really, I don't really remember what like much of like Madonna's composure in the interview. Like I don't right, remember much right. from Madonna. Yeah. I remember what, how Agnes was. <laughs> and Madonna kind of also understood that like she was seating the floor to Agnes because like even, because it almost seemed like in some ways Madonna was starstruck by Agnes, mm-hmm. which is, an insane concept to even yeah. ponder it's you know it's like you know you know fucking michael jackson being like oh my god you know it's like oh it's you like it's yeah. <laughs> it's crazy I think that agnes farda has this quality of so so many dueling qualities in a person like she's youthful when she gets into her older age but she has this um this old spirit when she's younger and she has this spontaneity quality, but also very prepared and organized as a, as a creative. And, and I think that's just what makes her very entrancing that she's kind of like unpredictable and, mm-hmm. and very assured of herself in many ways. They kind of like differentiates her from Francois Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard and, and people that in Jacques Demy, her former partner, um that people may look at her and be like that's sort of what that that's what broke her out separately from the other contemporaries of um french wave i feel like that i may not be the best person to speak on the french wave but i guess that's just what i see um yeah uh, i mean she has like like i feel like don't people call her like the grandmother the godmother of, grandmother or yeah, like yeah. yeah that's right. french cinema. i know i was gonna say yeah, she yeah. might not like that i love the little parts <laughs> in the movie where she's like uh don't say old friend say yes. uh yes. long time friend things like that so yes. i won't say what type mm-hmm. of relationship she has with cinema mm-hmm. but um but yeah she is just uh there's just like an openness and a vulnerability and a playfulness 
to mm. her work that really comes out here. And, and again, like I said, it really is complimented by JR. Um, mm. Yeah, but I don't know. She's I'm, also like a person. I know that's a very yeah. weird, or not weird, but like kind of obvious thing to say, but I feel like with creatives and especially creatives who had like a big impact on any industry or any art form they've worked in, it's like, it's sometimes you almost like, oh, you can't really interact with people anymore. You can't see a person yeah. as a person. You're mm. doing something else. Like, you know, imagine like James Cameron doing mm -hmm. what she's doing or Christopher Nolan. Like, I'm not saying these are people who are <laughs> as talented as Agnes Varda, obviously not. But I am saying that as in what these these directors, these pillars in filmmaking currently, mm -hmm. it's like, or Quentin Tarantino, like, I don't think they can go up to a person and just like act like, and just treat another person yeah. like a person. They're, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that as necessarily a negative thing. It's just how they are. But I think she is just super down to earth. If there's someone that's a similar age as Agnes Varda now, I think, I, think I know who you're talking about. Or two, there's two people who you could be referencing. Let's see which one. <laughs> Probably someone that you're thinking of. It's Marty Scorsese. Oh, uh, interesting. That I, I, I look at Scorsese as a person. That I'll listen to him talk about anything the same way that I would Barta. And th they're endlessly curious. See, and... I was thinking either Fred Wiseman or Clint Eastwood. Oh, Fred Wiseman. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. Almost like Fred Wiseman is 170 years old, so that makes sense. <laughs> like, you can get to a point in your career where you're not making... I, I guess, like, if there's a difference between Clint, Varda's never been crotchety. Or, like... Yeah, no, I, mean, I would not compare Clint Eastwood to her. <laughs> no, <laughs> she doesn't, she yeah. doesn't feel... I mean, same with Marty, that they don't feel like... They're, they're, they're ageless to me. Their creativity is what keeps them... Yeah. Youthful, I guess. I think yeah. the way I would compare Clint and Varda is their lucidness. I know it's a mm -hmm. that's like backhanded compliment in a way, but you know, just really they're both they're, they both are like private and public. But they're time. also yeah. like extremely mm -hmm. just on it. Like they don't yeah. they're not like they remember so many different details. They there would be no. I mean, they they have a certain level of adaptability that bring them into the twenty tens if not for their ever-growing spirit to keep making and keep themselves up keep to working. date and keep working and and they just never <clears throat> they never felt um slowed down and you know i guess Barta will will try out like digital cinematography in this something mm -hmm. like that same with clint well i'm sure we have many opportunities to talk about clint but it's... yeah like clint is not a good person but he has like drive <laughs> like he is he has a drive to himself and I think that's what, that's how I would. Oh, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking about how I like that we are talking about uh, Varda in the present tense, even though mm -hmm. she has passed away because she right. just is a very. Yeah. Um, passed away in 2019. A, yeah. Yeah. She's a, a very, um, like, she just packs so much life into her movies. And I think like, it's very hard for a movie to address like impending mortality and also like, the day-to-day -day things that keep us going and also just like these little moments and she somehow just does all of that with like such a light touch um I don't know it's just like very I don't know it reminds me of um 
like when I was watching her movie, when I was rewatching Faces Places, I was thinking of when I was like a kid and I would like go outside and just like look for bugs. Like, mm. and I'd be like, oh, bugs. And it was like the coolest thing. Like grass was cool. Bugs were cool. Rocks were cool. And like, that's how Agnes Varda looks at the world. Like there's such a sense of wonder that like mm. makes her films feel so alive. And I just think that that is very like, it just draws me to them and and, and makes them feel very like, replenishing to watch mm. obviously not all of them because they're different tones but movies like faces places she's a free spirit but she never but you never think she's like in danger you know because it's one of those things like, i think a lot of times free spirits you're kind of like in the back of your head like all right what are you going to do next are you going to be careful you're going to be safe like because they'll just do whatever they want they want to keep doing things they want to keep pushing the boundaries in a way they want to mm-hmm. keep discovering they want to keep exploring but yeah, never, I, with Varda, it's just like she she knows her limitations and she's yeah. comfortable and like stand like, no, I'm not going to take the entire I'm not going to do all those stairs. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. look at it from right here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. even even her contemporary like John Luke Godard, who's still with us in its way intense, will continue to make experimental cinema, which I mean, in, in a very clever and um, purposeful way. Her career remains singular but it never became, it never took like pivots like that where she just kept wanting to tell the story she wanted to tell with some degree of acclaim. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, here there's no light. I mean, here the the danger that we see is her eyesight. And yet Mm -hmm. I think that it's almost as if, yeah, she's there's a level of acceptance and that she tries to, maneuver around those limitations and yet i think agnes varda's eyesight becomes a part of like the log line of the movie where it's yeah. like you see something this replenishing as val says and this freeing but she can't see jr <laughs> and yeah. that's what's what's so funny and, and of course like one of the most gorgeous endings i've ever seen here um, i was gonna say yeah. when i saw the end of that movie that's what works that's what really like makes that a life-changing movie for me is the idea of like like there's so much in that last scene about like vulnerability connection age disability Mm. and just and just like the the and the whole movie is sort of this way but but like the little gifts we can give each other right like just little gestures that make a big difference for people so like the idea of like him taking off his glasses for her mm. and she also can't see it but she's also so happy you know like it's it's just so lovely and it's and also course. like so interesting that the movie is upfront about how parts of it are kind of pre-written but other parts are mm. not so like it's such right. a beautiful i don't know yeah. i love that and love of that course part like so much. drawing the connection between jr jr and john luke Godard in and how they sort of disguise themselves for one reason or another with their sunglasses and they're but they they allow themselves to be vulnerable with Farda. yeah mm-hmm. she's like the one person they're like okay i can take these off now mm-hmm. um which is how i, I feel like we are like that's how she makes us feel too like that's why we're right. describing like she feels different than french new wave she feels different than other 2010s movies things like that and it's because she just makes everyone feel comfortable like the way that they are mm-hmm 
And that's what James Cameron makes us feel when we take off these 3D glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm... I'm a very open person in general. I don't keep a lot of secrets. I, if people ask me questions, I'll usually just answer them straight up. Uh, if like it's about my personal life or my history or whatever. Uh, so th- me saying this will not be like, this isn't a crazy thing for me to say, but Var Agnes is, uh, you know, was, I don't know. I don't, for some reason, I don't, it doesn't feel organic to say pa- in the past tense. Mm. Even yeah, though she is no, we can keep doing present tense. That's fine. I don't know. I don't, it just doesn't, but like, <laughs> yeah, she is- I, I kind of, it kind of registered to me as well that your similar line of thinking and in a, in a similar way as, as well. Um, I don't think of this as, or sorry, I think of this as her final film but it's not. Mm-hmm. There's a movie after this one, but it feels, like I said before, it feels like such a perfect send-off, like so many are, like, you know, yeah. like Fanny Allen Alexander for Bergman and like Dreams for Carson, like, you know, there's a billion examples of like, what's the real last movie after that, depending on its quality or it's, or it's like this one that feels complete, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, you're fine. Um, but Agnes is one of those people who I feel like I could just tell anything, tell her anything. All of my yeah. deepest fears, my d- desires, all the, you know, my darkest um, beliefs or ideas. Just I don't know. It's like I could, I, I would just say anything to her. Mm-hmm. I think that quality becomes a part of the process of making the art when it's when it's getting into the actual like printing the photos because I was always interested. I almost wish there was a cut where we got to see more of the questions she asked because I loved when people would answer so honestly, like at the part where there were the wives of the dock workers, like when one of them was like, I don't like it up here. I don't, I'm afraid of heights and I don't like that I'm up here. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how lovely she must be and the way she asks questions to get people to respond to her and be that honest, you know? (laughs) And like, they're a part of a big art project, but they're like very honest about how they feel about it. So um yeah I don't know I just um I I love it I just I also I'm keep thinking about the ways that it's like meta in a way that I haven't actually seen Varda by Agnes um but either okay um but it does feel like a really good like putting a bow on her career because Mm. of the ways that it's meta and the ways that she's talking about um, I don't know. Like she's talking about endings at the end, you know, and she's talking about mm-hmm. there's like there are conversations about death and things like that. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just like it makes my heart so full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's it's really it's a really special film that I think um, it was nice to see like a lot of people in 2017 were championing, and it wasn't like uh, an Agnes Martin movie. I mean, it's a big deal that you have someone who took such a nine that took a nine-year gap and then returned to make a final film with with a very promising up-and-coming artist who <laughs> on press junkets like we mentioned they have like kind of a grandson grandmother rapport um mm-hmm. in some like q a's and interviews uh which is really fun to to go back and, and watch again i feel like it's um, more i mean i don't know have you ever been that comfortable with your grandmother i mean like i'm not like i mean i, I don't know like some people have really good relationships with their grandmothers but i don't know if i would ever be that comfortable with my grandmother yeah i think yeah. what that's what i love about it i was thinking about when i um when i pitched it to other people to watch 
I would say that it reminded me of a, a platonic Harold and Maude movie. Right. I was, <laughs> because, that's so funny. I was literally thinking that in my head seconds yeah, before you said that. Because mm. it's so, I like now that I, now that it's not a surprise to me on the second viewing, I kind of like settled in and I wasn't as like, like I, I still loved it, but I think the first time I watched it, especially I was so taken by like their right. chemistry and their ability to interact and just like the little ways he would make her laugh. And um, yeah, I think that they have, he wrote something for time magazine when she passed and he said something about like, you know, friendship, friendship isn't, the you know it's it's not just friendship it's just like a very it's clearly like a very pure relationship but yeah, yeah. he i mean she says this thing at one point of like you're very you're very good at handling old people and I, it's mm. much more it's much more eloquently and gracefully said than that but and then when um, you go and meet jr's grand actual grandmother you know it's like right but that's so I, built into his dna yeah but you don't but sometimes you don't think of that you don't think of I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it feels like people don't understand that there is a way to be or to be around like people of certain ages and how yeah. like how that tape how some people are just really bad at just being around old people. Mm -hmm. Some people are really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think but, yeah. I I think especially when it comes to her like disability, he's so good at it's such a good example of how to, um, you know, how to help someone who is um, aging have the life that they want to have. Like, I love the part where he's zooming her around in the Louvre with a, yeah, yeah. On, on her wheelchair. And there's a part where, I don't know if it's her cane, but when that little boy comes running up with a cane, like he's playing with, like, it's very playful about um, the idea of, you know, turning something that could be scary into uh something that helps you connect with people the other mm. thing that is kind of like that is him doing the little eye chart for her you know mm -hmm. like the that's like such a such a sweet thing to do um to just be like i want to uh it, if it comes down to a lot of the movies about honoring these like working class people mm. it's like he also he also wants to honor her and like what her eyes have made and her hands have made you know so yeah I think it was a movie of gestures. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's like the ending kind of states that it's not that he takes off. It's not that he gets she gets to see his eyes. It's that he takes off his glasses. Yeah. It's the gesture, not the actual like thing. It's the I'm comfortable and you know painting these or doing these um, pastings of these working class people or these people who you know to show respect. It's a gesture. It's a gesture of, you know, support and appreciation and care and empathy. Um, Which is that, such a hard thing to like show a show in a movie and make a movie about. Like if you describe it, that that doesn't sound like it's gonna translate, but it does so well. Yeah. It's weird to make that cinematic. It, you just kind of feel um, the power in that. That gesture. Well, and nowadays, that premise is like, besides the legit, like logistical, like how is this going to be a movie kind of idea? It's more of like just the, the sentimentality of it and the like thematic core of it. That's like alien in twenty twenty two. And that's what 
I felt like it was alien in 2017 too. That's why I was like right. sobbing afterward. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is like so random, but I went out, of, I saw that movie alone and I went out to my car and I had a blanket because I just sometimes bring a blanket to the movies. And That's I ran nice. into, I ran into a dude who was like living with outside with his things. And I was like, I just gave him my blanket and we like had a good conversation. And I was like, I could do this every, you know, like things like this could happen like anytime, like what's stopping Mm -hmm. life from just being like interactions Mm -hmm. where you don't walk past people and ignore them. You like actually want to hear people's stories. And like, that sounds so corny, but like, that's the mindset that you leave that movie with. This movie is kind of corny. I mean, and like, again, like (laughs) it's one of those things where I, I love it, but again I, I don't know like what does corny mean at the end of the day like it yeah. means this. i mean you say, you say the same about three thousand years and of yet like course. you don't i think it's it's interesting because that term is so broad it corny and sincere of course like yeah. the, those terms are so broad and maybe overused but they just feel right it's not as though george miller and angus varda are going for those terms but they just sort of fit yeah. the mold i think these places is about gestures it's about human interactions it's about the meaning of art in a community it's about imagination it's about all these things without sacrificing i think feeling like an agnes varda movie and i think that is also important that you that it shows a great director clearly that it's a buddy comedy like it's, it's, like a, it's, it's also, also yes. buddy it's also it operates on so yeah. many different levels yeah it's also I, a perfect movie uh you know right <laughs> i was well, i mean you speak at, we speak to the idea of sincerity and gestures and stuff like that and just watching it living in america in 2022 it's just like i don't know man this stuff what a bleak like, i was just say. most of this movie yeah. i'm just like this couldn't happen here this couldn't happen yeah like no one and like even like logistical reasons and just cultural reasons like what, what like if you went to some random you know i live in portland oregon um or like beaverton oregon um if you go down to like some you know, bumfuck Oregon down like, you know, north or south, or you go to the outskirts of Washington, you find a small mm-hmm. town. That's where I'm from. <laughs> outskirts of Washington, weird place. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. you can't just be like, I'm going to put this pasting on your house. Someone would shoot me if I did that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to, and, or, okay, I'm going to go to this coffee shop. Oh, what's the coffee shop? The Starbucks. Yeah. A Dutch Bros or whatever. Like, this isn't, there's, I mean, of course, these are just two very fundamentally different places when it comes to, you know, historical right. context and the way they operate within society, whether it be, you know, political or economic or cultural. Um, but it is one of those things, like, I just, I, I was just watching it and it's like, I don't know, man. Like, like you go to those old French towns and it hasn't been ravaged, or at least not yet, by capitalism and by this means of production and monopolization and this, you know, the concrete monster of industrialization. And it's like these old, you know, rustic houses um, and with like, you know, these beautiful walls and they're crumbling, but they're also show, they have so much character to them. Like when's the last time you were in America and you saw like a house that had character? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's, or a building, let a, like a coffee shop, like these places, like you have to really search for them because if they did, because for the places that do have character, they don't last long nowadays. Yeah. Um, it's that, it's that, you know, the devil of, you know, production and that devil of, you know, um, monetary gain. 
I mean, that whole thing with the fucking goats, man, that's like, mm-hmm. like when the guy who just sees it and he's talking about like um, the guy, you know, the idea when they tell him that they sand or they burn um, their horns off. Yeah, he, you know, he says something of the ilk of like, it's all production. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, they were born with horns, but, you know, we take them off just so, you know, just so that production is better. Like we can, you know, that that product is more, you know, equitable or not equitable, mm-hmm. um, profitable. And the a- uh, farmer who la- allows the horns to stay on says something similar. And it's just that's a very anti-American idea. Yeah. Um, and I just imagine like I don't know, man. It's just watching and yeah. it's like also the idea of honoring the working class is also anti-American. Yeah. When's the last time you saw like when has there ever been a statue or a mural dedicated to a post office worker that mm-hmm. you've ever seen in America? Yeah. For you to be honored, for you to be shown, for you to be like be given a gesture to be like uh, appreciated in America in a way that's like, you know, that via art or via like something of a public image that can be viewed mm-hmm. by so many people, you have to be of histor- uh, historical significance. You have to be, a fo- you know, and, and it doesn't matter if you're morally reprehensible or not. You know, we put up statues of Confederate, you know, Confederate generals and slavers and, gen- you know, people who've committed genocide. And it's like, and, and I don't want to go on this, like, and, and I know this is getting like pretty like <laughs> Portland hippie kind of ide- ideology kind of stuff, but it's one of those things where I was just watching. It's bomb, it. ideology. I know, right. I was just taking it back, but it's like, you know, one of our most notable sculptures in america is mount rushmore four presidents both uh, all four have some of the most darkest shit in their ledger and it was sculpted by a neo-nazi that's a fact i'm not making that up but i will say i think that this speaks to her once in a lifetime talent as much as it speaks to the different but yeah and and his as well as much as it speaks to the differences between like actual countries because i know you know france has problems too there could have been a whole movie that's right about, of course no, like I mean, they're also industrialized and, yeah. paris you know right. but right. she just is able to pull this out and even if it sounds like you know like it it's it feels like a daydream almost like but but she's able to make it convincing for the length of the movie you know but it's like yeah. the mayor in Normandy. They sit down and have a conversation, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, you want to put the, you know, do this thing on a on the bunker? Yeah, oh, man, it's a piece of art. Let's do it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's like that shit isn't allowed. There's no conversations anymore. There's no. I mean, I don't know if there ever was, but like, think about that. Just think of an artist just sitting down with a mayor and be like, "Hey, I want to make this thing." And they're like, "Hey, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. This is pretty cool." Mm-hmm. No, the, bio- the bureaucracy, the government, the uh, you know the local politics, the you know the amount of city councils and committees you have to go through for that to even be even like pondered, let alone approved. And this doesn't make a difference from from the, your ideas. Uh, I think it's just that Varda treats everyone with 
with an equal amount of importance, of course, um, that you get the that mural just being of allowed the to happen is crazy. I think that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. It, it, I, no, no, no just, of course. No one yeah. just being like, you can't do that. Stop it. Like, mm-hmm. just the allow allowing artistic expression. I think it's just her, it, her power yeah. as well to to fluctuate between a documentarian and a fictional filmmaker that she treats normal people like they are characters in their own movie. Um, I, I think a part of this kind of lives on online is what I took from the, from this rewatch that online on YouTube, on TikTok, you'll see like creators. I, I swear this leads somewhere that will take random people from the street and be like, tell me about your outfit or like what's the best food place in New York city. And, and they'll just stop strangers walking on the street just to like get their, their feedback on, on a prompt. I think that that idea lives on in faces places mm-hmm. that people want to be talked to that strangers oh, want to yeah. be engaged with. It's a very simple idea, but it's, it's, it's a part of, you know, the human connection, like whatever, you know, it's just like, it's like what humanity shares in common is wanting to be acknowledged mm-hmm. in some, yeah. in some, you know, maybe that's it makes sense. It makes sense that this movie is like so profoundly impactful to me because I am very extroverted and I feel like some of the best times of my life have just been like when you go to a random event at a random place, meet random people. And you talk for like five hours, like, which I know is not everyone's cup of tea, but like, right. so I just love seeing that kind of distilled that like purity of just like meeting someone and hitting it off and having a good conversation or um, learning about their, you know, having every step of the conversation go somewhere surprising. Like when she just finds out that guy's retiring that day and things like that. Um, or the it, 75 it, year old man. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. What's his name? Pony. Yeah. That's his Pony. Stage. Yeah. So it studies, it studies these things closely enough and it focuses closely enough on just on that, that like the beats, the narrative beats of the movie or the emotional beats of the movie can just come from like tiny things like that. Right. Of like, I don't know, just a conversation and a turn a conversation takes can be the heart of a scene of a movie. That's very cool. And I don't think very many people could pull that off. Reflecting our, you know, like artistic minds onto, you know, like, banal like almost faceless for lack of better word things i mean if you go at the very end when uh or not the very end but like when jr paints um her eyes and her toes and uh onto that train there was nothing that he painted over it was just blank it was just like Mm -hmm. pure like metallic ugly uh, absolutely, you know, lifeless thing. Mm. And him doing that added life and heart and beauty to it um, mm-hmm. when it was just like this metal monstrosity. Um, and that feels so singular and, again, foreign to everything that, I don't know, And this is a lot of places, too. Obviously, America is not the only industrialized place in the world. I mean, plenty of places in Europe, you know, talk about England or whatever. It's like, I don't know, there's plenty of personality being kind of ripped 
from our lives, uh, character and beauty. Um, but that simple gesture of doing of just you know taking this like almost pur it feels purposeless like that train even though it does obviously serve a purpose it feels mm -hmm. it doesn't feel of this world it feels so dead to add life to that is such a small and beautiful thing that you're just mm -hmm. kind of now I'm just it, it, I was really just the moment he did that I just was for some reason like thrown into this like existential crisis of like the world I live in like you know how many times have you seen a train that is just this it's just metal it's just like yeah. brown poop fucking metal it's just <laughs> like it's nothing it's absolutely lifeless and has no actual effect on anything it's just this blank sheet of metal mm -hmm. and it's like they just the simple idea of just painting something. That's why when people like in Portland, there's this quote unquote graffiti problem. Um, and you know, people you know complain like, oh look at look at the look at downtown Portland's all it's graffiti, it's so dirty, blah, blah. It's like, what was there beforehand, dude? A wall? A blank fucking wall? Was that serving some great fucking purpose to you in your life? Was that giving you something in your heart? No, it was a blank fucking wall. And so adding even, maybe you don't like the art, sure, whatever, but it's like adding some kind of idea or reflection of someone's soul or, I mean, I know I'm getting super fucking deep in this, but it's like, <laughs> no, that's, that, it's okay. that's, the, that's the thing, man. That was the, what I took away from this film. It's just like that. Yeah. I adding life to the things around you and how important that is to, mm -hmm. I don't know, some kind of, to reach in to have some kind of profound effect on yourself and others is to just add life where there's mm. lifelessness for <laughs> you know yeah right yeah it goes uh, to when when jr said i think it's jr that says let's just take all the pictures we can while we can mm. that's how it feels with like mm. may, you know whether it's seeing the world that way as much as you can or adding you know having an additive presence in the world somehow yeah. um that's why i think i, I th keep bringing it back to like it keeps reminding me of like childhood because i'm like that's mm. when i really felt like i could just like i said just like go outside like there are things that this movie focuses on that i wouldn't focus on but i feel like when you were a kid you could laser focus on like grass or a tree or whatever you know so and like and see the uh value and things that are devalued not just by like you said like modern industrial world but just devalued by like adults who are adults, supposed to be you yeah, know like we're yeah. we're trained we're trained to just be like walking to our car and not looking around and and things like that you know um so the minimalization yeah. and JR. repression of artistic expression is mm. yeah i think is and, and and of like our attention too like i think like uh the only times that you see phones in this movie are to take pictures of the mm. of like the, the kids taking the selfie of their, the mural of their mom like that always gets yeah me. they and they couldn't yeah. get it right yeah yeah, yeah. oh no Press the, the little kids were good yeah. but the the grown-up people too who were trying to take yeah. one of their grand their ancestor who cracked me up because they were like so they could fun. not do it agnes barda and jr are, are running around like kids through rural mm -hmm. france and mm -hmm. they are leaving their legacies behind creating artwork with the time that and as far as still has left 
um, but they're still honoring honoring yes they're mm-hmm. honoring their creative expression while still on this search for a new subject and by their subjects are honoring people and uh agnes barda just realizes that i think to her this is the meaning of life i guess uh (laughs) and i think it just gets at this this very specific feeling of a search just outside of a major city as well um like traveling just outside of paris i think or you know maybe not just outside but outside of paris there's like a whole new culture there's like a whole new Mm -hmm. world and it feels like it's it's certainly like the role in urban uh locations Mm -hmm. of of any country it's it's like very you know singular focused and and people value different things i think i think it's interesting that you may you may get a different movie out of a faces places in paris as opposed to yeah um focusing on uh the factory workers and the the farmers and such yeah i love so much of how much they focus on their reaction like the reaction of people is almost more important than the project itself yeah i mean i know yeah sorry no 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 go ahead the whole time I, this time I was thinking of, um, you know, how we always are trying to define art or like put art in a museum. But if I was to pinpoint what the art is in this, it wouldn't just be the photo or the photo on the wall and obviously the movie itself, but it would be like the moment of the person seeing the photo, right? So like there's an impermanence to some of this, like when her, um, I think it was Guy, her like model, the the art of him washed away the next day, but there's still like, the art still exists in the moment that she had of like witnessing that, you know? And I feel like that is, it's very, um, it's very profound. Like I just, like sometimes I just cried when people saw their pictures, <laughs> you know? There's something like, mm-hmm. there's something like very um, like primally, that's like meeting some primal need somehow of just like being seen and acknowledged. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I, you know, it's just, that's so, I think that's solely lacking. And of course in American culture, but in other cultures in general, um, just mm-hmm. the idea of what are we doing for the community? You know, it's like, okay, we, res- you know, we uh, fucking, erect this sculpture of the town or of the the person who founded the town or whatever the fuck how does that help people yeah us like how does that honor the people who actually live there and like have lived there for 80 years or 20 years who have made you know who've made families and who have lived generations and it's like that's the people we need to honor, not fucking, you know, Fran- you know Francis Smith the Third or whatever. Like it doesn't. <laughs> the, the the fuckers don't matter. They're dead. They're old. Like it's just. I, I and I know that's harsh, but it's like one of those things where. It, 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 and I'm not saying we erase history. I'm just saying. Sure, we should obviously honor history, but we need to honor the present and honor the people among us. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's what this film is to me, is honoring. But uh, also to go back to the idea of their child, like, you know, they're kind of like children playing around. 
I mean, some of these ideas are fucking stupid, but they're amazing. I, 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 know, I, I know that sounds a little rough, but it's like fish on the water tower. Yeah. That's like a kid, like a five-year-old <laughs> can think of that. Like a bunch of people just eating baguettes and they connect mm. together. Yeah. Like this That's is like a middle school see, art project. You can, yeah. you can right. see the like tangible positive impact it has to just somehow like how genius of them to be like we'll just take pictures of people eating one giant baguette and somehow mm -hmm. it genuinely makes the whole community feel good you know what i mean like that's so special yeah it's breathing life into the lifeless i i you yeah. know it's it's that gesture it's all i you know it's just, we're not it's, lifeless but more mundane right the that. yeah the, the overly modernized and yeah all of the above mm -hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, yeah. that was just some fucking wall. Mm -hmm. I think, and I, and that's, and it's kind of that you know, this film's kind of almost changed my entire. I'm telling you. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's just like it's get ready, get ready. Now I can't look at walls the same way. That's how fucked up <laughs> this movie is. Is that it's just now like, well, why isn't there just something on that wall? You know what I'm I mean? very like, happy. I'm very happy we're having this conversation. Which is one of this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> different person. Right. It's like, yeah. what? Why not? Why not just have? I mean, like, one, it's you know, of course, it's creative, it's imaginative, or you know, it's art, and art is great. Um, mm. but it's also just, I don't know, it's cool. <laughs> like, it, it's one yeah. of, like that's a neat yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's this like because of as far as youthful vigor she's tackling these topics in st still like a gripping way where you, you, yeah. I feel as though you can recommend this to anybody. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those, I guess maybe we, we haven't asked ourselves this in a while or maybe should more often. I feel as though this would be received better now. Um, I, I suppose, I think a lot of what we cover would be received differently or at least better now, but um, this one, especially, I think. I don't know. People could be more cynical to it. I was thinking of this is not the same at all. But when I was thinking of them going into like small towns, trying to like uh, disarm people, have honest conversations, I was thinking about how our opinion or the collective response to Queer Eye has already shifted since that show started to where mm. when it first started, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like bringing people together. And now like several seasons in, I feel like I'm like I'm exhausted by the idea of watching another season of this when like I know that some of the people on it are like you know like the, the political climate has just shifted so mm. intensely so i'm like i don't know if it'd be better if it'd be even better received now because some people might just be more cynical now than mm, they even right. were five years ago and it's one of those things it's also and to come back to that american perspective it's like i don't know the sociopolitical nuances of france and like what region believe what you know what the regions believe mm -hmm. in like you know I was like, honestly, like, if this took place in Britain, I would have more of like, oh, I bet they voted for Brexit. Oh, I, I bet <laughs> yeah. they voted. I bet they voted for Boris Johnson or whatever the fuck. Like, there is, yeah. I mean, like, the idea of this now, especially, you know, us coming from the perspective as Americans and how deeply divided we are and how it's like state versus state now. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it is that idea of like, it has to, it's in the back of our, the map if it's in the back of our minds because it's like i don't know man it's if just because one like one state with a lesser population had like loves this fucking fascist prick that affects all of us mm -hmm. um and 
you know, I, I don't want to make it too like, um, like connected too much to American politics, but that idea of um, the the voice in the back of your head, it's like, oh, I wonder what this person is. like, mm -hmm. what I wonder what this person believes in. I wonder what yeah. they think of X or Y or Z or whatever. It's yeah. like, since we're kind of removed from removed from that, the French political ecosystem, it's kind of easier for us, I think, in a way. Yeah. Because um, who knows, maybe if you're in France and you're, you know, like, know all, everything about the e political ecosystem of France, maybe you're just kind of like, oh, I bet this person voted for mm -hmm. X or Y or whatever. Who knows? But it is... <laughs> But that is what we're thinking about now. I mean, like, you know, fucking after, like, especially like with you know, Roe v. Wade and stuff like that, where it's just, it's such a state issue. And you now you start, what we judge people based on the state we live in, you know, justifiably in a way, like that's a, again, that's a deeper conversation, but it's like, yeah, we, we are divided in by lines and by rural yeah. and urban. And we have these very hard opinions on like, and we're also, also people are scared of others. I'm like, yeah. you know, because we can be very harmful right now. We can create this, like, destruction and this I thing think, that could kill others. I think the stakes in America just feel so high right now that it's impossible to feel, uh, like, a mild reaction to people sometimes. And so I think that's, right. like, uh, I think that because, like, you're, like, you know, if, if uh, like you said, it's, like, it's not just like a difference of opinion, it's people who could be dangerous. So that's why it's like, this is able to zoom in, make the stakes feel low, but also show you emotionally how they're high. And then also decontextualize what we're familiar with to the point where we're like very enchanted by it because we're not having to put all our baggage onto these people we have no idea about who are in like towns we haven't heard of. But it's also since about the, just again it's gestures i, I think i think just mm -hmm. i think that that helps kind of yeah. make us forget about the other stuff is that it's just the idea of a gesture and if some americans are so far removed from places uh involving uh industrial workers or or agricultural workers uh we may yeah. feel as though that they're dehumanized and this will then humanize people that we're so unfamiliar with um i think you I know maybe say, uh oh, maybe there's less of that in in france since that's it's just maybe it's a smaller country it, yeah. yeah it's a smaller country sure i i will say the the working class angle of it is so interesting and i love that it i feel like it brought art to the level of it not being at odds like working like you know blue collar and white collar not necessarily being at odds with each other because you're seeing I thought it was so interesting that it showed machinery so much so we're seeing like the corn combine but we're also seeing like the scaffolding of him having to go up and paste and he said like pasting things is his favorite part and so it's very like a reminder and again like, like we're saying like it might be hard to swallow now or in the context of America but it's a reminder of like uh you know art is creating work is creating there there are not as many lines between these things as as we might think especially right, in the, conversation with each other yeah mm -hmm. yeah we're all producing something um yeah and whether that's for financial gain or whether that's for personal personal expression and and at this point they're almost they're impossible to not connect to each other 
personal mm -hmm. expression is so has been monetized um, like so many other mm -hmm. things that it's you know like i don't think jr didn't make money off of this he probably made some money like mm -hmm. i don't i don't think yeah. he did this for free i'm not saying that mm -hmm. as in judgment to jr that's that's just the that's world just how world. that's just the world yeah that's that's the 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 industry of the of the artist right um do you guys know how the movie was funded no. It was was it uh, crowdfunded? It was crowdfunding. Yeah, and one oh, of the reasons for that is that the directors and stars who didn't want any pressure regarding deadlines because of Varda's age. Um and they could only shoot one week per month and it took months to to shoot and uh, And it feels like it cuz it, it was ready for it was ready for Cannes 2017 but still it's like it, it was a longer process just cuz they wanted yeah. to wait for Agnes to to feel ready. Right. I love that. And it's like the timeline stuff. You, you know, there is moments in the film where like, wait, how much time, time has passed? Especially with the, mm. there's this one cut between when they, the barista, they have, you know, her in the dress with the, um, with the uh, umbrella. They put her on that wall, like right across the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And then there's this like cut because like they interview her and they like, and she's talking in this way that it's been like years or not years, but like months since that was put up because she has mm -hmm. this like kind of regret and this kind of uncomfortability with it, even though it feels like, you know, it, within the film's time, like within the film, it's like that happened like five minutes ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and they don't really specify how much time, like the timeline of anything. Like sometimes they'll even go back to like, this is when we did this and this is when mm -hmm. we did that. Um, so it, that, that yeah. makes a lot of I love that. And I think it's just one more way that it is a very like emblematic of, like I said, like aging and disability and like a way to do that and, and still live the life you want to live, like make a movie one week a month. It's, mm -hmm. it's possible, you know? <laughs> and J.R. and Agnes Varda started this process, not sure if this was going to crystallize into a feature that maybe mm -hmm. they'll make it uh, short because Vard has made numerous amounts of shorts and knows mm -hmm. how, what how that process differs from documentaries and features um and the fact that this did like keep adding on and adding on I think that you'll see sometimes that that is the process of of a lot of movies especially independent mm -hmm. ones that are um so uniquely financed um that they're just not sure what shape this is gonna take um yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting creation of this one. Gosh, that's why I think the ending, like we said, it's one of my it's one of my personal favorite endings of any oh, movie. Yeah. And I think um I'm sure seeing this in theaters too, like this left you like kind yeah. of Yeah. Yeah. I think when I tweeted about it, I said I'm torn open. And that's honestly like I forgot, <laughs> like I looked at that tweet the other day before I rewatched it and I was like, what am I talking about? Mm -hmm. Like it's not that intense yeah. of a movie. And then when I watched it again, I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> But um, it it's I love I mean the Godard part is so sad, and seeing her get so sad in real time mm. is so sad. But I love when they're sitting there and the camera. I realized this time around, it's shooting them from behind when they're having their little like semi-scripted chats the whole mm -hmm. time, right? And then it's pretty distant. And then you can tell like it's the feeling like swells because you can tell when they're sitting on the bench at the end, it's closer up than it's ever been to them when they're like having a conversation. So it's such yeah. an interesting way to like give you the emotion without you even really noticing why. But um, anyway, that was 
an aside, but I realized that um, I just love, I just love his line where he says like, maybe he was writing because he knew you were writing. So it's like (laughs) with Godard, like he was, he gave you an ending to the movie, right? Like, because he knew you were writing a movie. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so interesting. Yeah. Because their partnership is so special. You can say in, in the, there's an interview that they talk about the generational differences that JR and fellow artists versus Jean-Luc Godard and uh, Sparta may, um, may face with collaboration. And that's such an interesting idea too, that they, that they'll peek their heads into, into that, into that scene where it's like, JR is like, I'll just text my friends and be like, what do you think of this? (laughs) And -hmm. then like, they, they then have to like wait for, um, for this long, um, for the sense of desire to, to just like feel, feel open to talk about their ideas with, with their, um, uh, with their fellow artists. Let us go into favorite I've, scene. I already talked about mine so much. Mine's the end. So yeah. the ending's perfect. I, I will say, I don't know if this is a hot tip. I hope I'm not the first person to say this. Um, I was lucky and honored to be able to vote for sight and sounds top 10 this year. And um, I already regret one of my picks because I definitely should have put this movie instead. Is what I. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. So for a decade, if anyone hears Valerie. this, I'm going to hear this podcast and be upset with me. It's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay awake at night thinking why didn't I put Faces Places on my list? So we are the reason we made you realize you regret <laughs> sight and sound. That is crazy. That is wild <laughs> to me. Oh my goodness. But so much of it has to do with what we were saying. Like yeah, how yeah, how yeah. magnificent of a movie to make you realize something as subtle as like the profound life-changing ability of giving someone a little gift, like taking off your glasses. Mm. Like that is yes. just a masterful thing to be able yes. to communicate. So I love the ending. I think it's perfect. It makes me cry and it's, yeah. Du côté de la côte, c'est la deuxième ligne du rébus de Godard. En fait, Jean-Luc et Anna avaient loué une villa près de Nice et nous avaient invités, Jacques et moi. On passait du bon temps. Jean-Luc lisait toute la journée et Anna circulait en disant « Je sais pas quoi faire, qu'est-ce que je peux faire ?» On ne se moquait pas d'Anna, mais ça nous faisait beaucoup rire, Jacques et moi. Je me souviens avec plaisir de ces moments d'amitié. Mais aujourd'hui, Jean-Luc, il est allé un peu fort. Tu penses que c'est ce qu'il voulait, de faire de la peine Ou est-ce qu'il voulait défier la structure narrative de ton propre film Non. De notre film. Tu crois qu'il voulait me faire une attrape Je pense qu'il se disait que de ton côté, t'écrivais, que du sien aussi. Et peut-être que vos écritures se sont rejointes. De manière un peu surprenante, mais... C'est mélangé, ce que je sens. Je sais pas quoi faire. Qu'est-ce que je peux faire Quelque chose rien que pour toi. Merci. C'est gentil. Je savais pas que tes yeux ils étaient aussi clairs. Moi je te vois pas très bien, mais je te vois. On regarde le lac. Mmh. 
it brings the whole thing home. Like I don't, I remember when I watched it the first time, I was like, how could this possibly end? Cause it's kind of just like yeah, going along. Right. And, <laughs> and for us who love, who love docs, that that is yeah. ongoing, that's ever changing. And that's still yeah. evolving, especially when you focus on one person or an entire community that, or, or, or a specific uh, part in, in a community. Yeah. Yeah. Like here, like, yeah. And it really just, resolves in a way that you're not expecting um yeah yeah and, and I, th- I think for me like something that i'll think about i think that we've that we've mentioned quite a few times on here the decade in which we're looking at does does it feel right that it came out in its set year and can it come out in any other time to make it feel both timely and timeless i, I think that's that's a yes for faces places mm-hmm. i think mine uh it's the john luke Dartsy. <laughs> again we've already talked about it um i, I think it's Which great one? it's kind of oh uh when they approach goodart's regards house and, and there he was supposed to be in the film actually but he actually just didn't jean luke jean luke c'est quoi qui a écrit là Ça, c'est un message codé de la part de Jean-Luc. À la ville de Douarnenez, c'est là où on allait manger. C'était un petit restaurant, boulevard du Montparnasse, où on allait manger avec Jacques et Jean-Luc. Et quand, quand Jacques est mort, c'est juste ça qu'il m'a envoyé comme mot. À la ville de Douarnenez. Alors, si c'est pour me faire de la peine, il a réussi. Et puis, du côté de la côte, Je sais pas. C'est parce que c'est un film que j'ai fait. Ça veut dire qu'il sait que c'est moi. Ça veut dire qu'il pense à Jacques. Mais c'est pas très, c'est pas très drôle. C'est pas très drôle. Bon. Ben, s'il veut pas ouvrir, c'est une peau de chien. On s'en va. Attends. Quand je pense que j'ai été à sa pâtisserie favorite, acheter des petites brioches pour les lui apporter. Et puis, je vais écrire avec un mot. Prête-moi ta plume pour écrire un mot. Mon ami Jaco. Merci, GLG, d'avoir de la mémoire. Et pas merci d'avoir tenu ta porte fermée. J'ai quand même mis un cœur. And what a little whimsical, like I'm, I'm biased against Godard just because of this movie, I will admit, but what a little whimsical French new wave thing to do to be like, I'm gonna write a little thing with dry erase marker on my, I don't know, he's silly man. I'm gonna remind you of your husband's death for no apparent reason. Yes. I mean, I love, I'm sorry, I'm talking, I'm like taking, stealing your thunder here, but I love. Oh, yeah. Um, it shows so much of her character in that scene. Yes, I think the way yes. she responds. No, I, no, absolutely. Dirty rat. Is that it's what he, like, it's that like what her? Says? Yeah, her um, her hurt sneaks up on Angus Barda. Yeah. And Jr. is rubbing like, her shoulder. That's so. Yeah, cool. yeah. It, it's this idea that, like, from what I gather, it's like she hasn't thought about Jack Demi in a very long time. In that um, way, or at in least that in that way. Yes, yeah, in that yeah. way. 
Um, and yeah, and in it would have been important for Jean-Luc to be in the movie, but the fact that his presence is felt throughout certain parts is just even more impactful. And that mm-hmm. is maybe in a way something that Agnes Varda and JR just couldn't plan for. Mm-hmm. It's such a bizarre thing. It almost feels scripted, even though obviously it's not. It's one of those things <laughs> right. where it's just like... That's like, the trigger of Jean-Luc, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I know, I he's, how... up, he's trying to upstage her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, even into their 80s, they're still having this one-upsmanship. Like, come on. Like, But, yeah. you know, I think that's perfect that it is, it is sort of like everything you want in a career about um, creation and collaboration and... And and, and uh, for for Jean Luc to to be in the movie, but only by mention, it's just yeah. It feels it feels so so fitting. And I feel like it shows her um, character and maybe how she's able to hold all these ideas that we're saying is so, are so difficult for us to hold together at once. Yeah. Because I love how she says that dirty rat. I still like him though, or something like that. Like she's very much she like say something mean or not That's like the angry. Most French shit I've ever heard. And to immediately be like, she's clearly very upset. And then to mm. immediately be like, but I, he's still my friend. You know, like it's so, um, it just embo- it embodies everything we've said yeah. about like her ability to see people a way that we have a hard time seeing them sometimes. Because we dirty don't know, rat, but I, I think... still like you anyways. That's such, yeah. it's just, that... just like the most French thing you could possibly say. It's that <laughs> summer that her, Jacques Demy and Jean-Luc and then uh, Anna Karina spent and like a beach or a lake or something and mm-hmm. and sort of like you don't you don't think that i i think we're just meant to apply it's like they have that shared experience and for that it's like they they kind of are just like where we're we go so back we can't just hate each other for life because like what does that yeah. do to your your life you know mm-hmm. and he's probably hurting too like he's such a character mm. without being in it right like right. we understand yes. that he's probably hurting and he's thinking he's thinking of these memories and lost in them and it makes him want to retreat yeah okay yeah. so much going on um my favorite scene it's between two it's between them it's between jr pushing her in a wheelchair through the louvre <laughs> yeah. uh it's probably when i have the biggest smile on my face throughout the film and i love i love the the scene before then they cut right to it just like didn't we meet it's so short like how do you get into the loop and film that first off but also i love that it's like a 10 second insert like they're like remember yeah. that time yeah. <laughs> like but it's also it also goes to that point of being in a room full of life aka art because she is so and who knows how many times she's been to the loop uh, and obviously this is somewhat scripted but it's like She's transfixed by every single artist and every single painting. Mm. Like how many times has she seen each paint, like the spring and summer one, I forget uh, which artist did it, but it's like, she stops on that one. Like how many times has she probably seen that? Mm-hmm. On, you know, like tens and hundreds or whatever, like, and so, but she's still, it's still that life that is there. It's the, the, that the personality, that character, that history, that, beauty that imagination that is all around her it's like the happiest she is throughout the movies when she's getting pushed throughout that loop seeing all of these beautiful this beautiful art pass by her pour relever un défi une petite envie de faire la nique à godard 
Il avait fait courir trois de ses personnages à vitesse ultra rapide dans la grande galerie du Louvre pour battre un record de traversée du musée. Je l'ai vu ce film, c'est bande à part, en blanc et noir. T'as de la chance de connaître Godard. Moi, je ne cours plus, mais tu étais là. Bellini. Del Sarto. Ah, c'est beau. Lorenzo Costa. Yeah, it's really special. And, and to kind of cheat, it was, it, it's a tie between that scene and when the three wives of the dock workers, mm. um, there's a cut of them on the containers uh, with like their, with in the, in the pasting, their um, heart or the middle of their chest is ripped mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. and they're sitting there. Um, I don't really talk that much in film, like when I'm watching movies by myself, like it either has to be a horror movie or something where like a comedy or something, I don't know. But when I saw that, I audibly said, wow. Um, cause I was, it's just a very powerful image. Um, and it really gets to the whole point of the film, honoring the people who don't necessarily, who don't get, who aren't, aren't honored. Who will never be honored. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. like, yeah. If it were, um, and just and and the context for yeah. that too, how they said it's like intergenerational mm. career, right? Like you have generations of people who have put in work there, fought for their union, done things like that, and have not been honored. So it just feels like such a culmination of, like you said, also like making, a gesture, something also, that could have just never happened and did. Mm -hmm. and it's celebration Agnes, of life. On, yeah. Agnes making them feel tall. I think that's a big part because there's a moment when she corrects one of them when she says, I've always been behind him. And she says, don't you mean besides? Mm. And I think that is such a powerful correction because that's what she believes. She wants these women to be honored as equals rather than the supportive housewife, even though they also have careers and jobs and lives. Um, I mean being one of the being one of out of 80 drivers be the only one like be the only woman to drive a big rig that's more impressive than whatever the fuck his job is i don't even know <laughs> um but like that's and for the and you know she says that the woman who drives a big rig when they ask her how do you feel right now i think i feel dominant i feel powerful um agnes giving her that This is obviously her idea, her passion. JR didn't come up, come up with that shit. Um, it's like, that's very important to her. And that's the gift. That's the gesture that she gave them. Um, and that's very, that's very special. Um, this is one of the few episodes where I've almost started crying in the middle of, um, as I've just talked about it. It just doesn't happen a ton. It's happened before. I forget which film. Paddington. Um, it, Paddington, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh god, yeah, the Aunt Lucy shit. All right, now I'm really gonna cry. 
Um, but no, it's just like, those are the, you know, I think it's been. Why do you think I got so. tissues at the beginning? Right. Good call. Good call. That now, that was well, a Chekhov's gun of moment. I like it. That was yeah. a Chekhov's gun moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But thank you so much for bringing this film yeah. to us. Yeah. It's, geez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty impactful. Easily so one of the glad. best docs of the decade still holds true for me. Uh, Definitely. Me too. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. Please, yes. uh, if you have anything coming out or will be out in like uh, early October, I think this is coming in a bit. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm still. Uh, I you can find me at Slash Film. I do news writing there. I uh, I do TV reviews at Film School Rejects. Um, I have a Patreon that I'm gonna redo into something else at some point. Um, maybe a sub stack. I don't know. We'll see. Just keep an eye. Keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah, um, we will surely keep an eye out. Um, this movie is available on Canopy and Tubi for free, which is fantastic that it's out there and available. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jack A. Draper. I'm on Letterboxd, Jack Draper7. Uh, uh, I have, yeah, I have film writing at the Boston Hassle. And our next episode is on Ridley Scott's The, the Counselor. Uh, with Aaron and Carly from the Factory Podcast. Very there different. You go. Mm. I, I was going to say, I don't know if you'll cry during that one, but you <laughs> never know. <laughs> Cormac McCarthy just brings out the darkness. Speaking of the Scott brothers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. Scott Free. Mm-hmm. Um, did you already plug your shit, Jack? With the Boston Castle? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Oh man, I'm I'm in a, a different zone right now. So That's faces, okay. Faces. You're processing. I, I know. I reviewed Three Thousand Years of Longing. Is that should do that? Or? I would, yeah. Please read yeah, that review. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You follow me on Instagram, Mr. Clay Williams. Uh, you can follow the podcast Twitter account, Eats and Pod. You can send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. We greatly appreciate it. Um, share us with a friend, retweet, um, you know, ride your bicycle into the street, throw, uh, do a ghost, go ghost ride it as in like, kind of like jump off it while it's still riding, go up to a person, slap their knee and say, Hey, you listening to exit through the 2010s. And if they have, or, you're like, uh, well, you should you drive, and take the drive, bicycle and run off. Drive your truck, uh, with your, with your friend and take large canvases, pictures of, of, of people yeah. and right next to that that canvas it'll have our logo yeah put our logo on there yeah it'll have our spotify code there you go that's how we're gonna do it yeah spotify qr code all right everyone thank you so much for listening and as always we'll catch you next time on exiting through the 2010s